Thursday, January 4th. It is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app and, of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube as we head until 10 o'clock this morning. 855-839-1210, the phone number, Twitter and Instagram, the radio station at 1210WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L. Don Stenzlin with the news. Anthony Dorenzo in for Greg Stocker this morning. Phil Omquist, our associate producer, handling the video. Stocker out sick yet again. Rebound case of the flu, apparently. What did I say? Fever came back. Dr. Dawn. Dr. Dawn was accurate yet again. <laughs> what did I say? Yes, yes, you nailed it. You called it. You called it what? Uh, what Tuesday or was that Monday night? You send the text in our in our little text back and forth, and he said, "Should I come in?" I was like, "The flu tends to rebound. Stay home." Yeah, stay home. I can't shake the post nasal drip. Oh no! Every sentence that I say, I feel like I've got a faucet running down the back of my throat. So if I if I just stop mid sentence for about one point <laughs> two seconds. It's because I'm turning my microphone off just to clear my throat. I think we have, like, Mucinex in the in the kitchen. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I might take, like, 35 pills of that. Yeah. <laughs> just drain my whole body right now. Dawn, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Big big news day. Yeah, great Locally, day for soccer to go home. Actually, I know. <laughs> we got all sorts of good stuff to get to. Dorenzo, how are you, buddy? I'm great, man. How are you? Doing well. All right, so we have a lot to delve into this morning. We have a big take on... The decline of Republican journalism from a representation standpoint. Very interesting um, drop-off since 1971, we will explain. The Epstein documents drop last night. Very interesting timeline from yesterday where we were told that Jane Doe 107 was holding things up because it would be a security risk for Jane Doe 107. Then the names come out last night. We had the former president of the United States that was included. No, not 45, but 42. And then also, we have to rehash what one journalist had in 2015 that kind of got leaked from a video and audio standpoint in 2019 that really confirms what this lady knew many years ago. So we'll play that for you. This morning, and then also a false accusation from Epstein's brother that said, basically, if it was revealed in 2016, it would have upended the 2016 election, which we now know is partially false. So we'll get to all of that this morning. Plus, at nine o'clock, our buddy Sean Farage, the great Trump impressionist, is going to stop by yet again on the program. So how does that sound? That sounds great, Mr. President, and I think he will have plenty of things to say on all of the issues that are topical for today's program. All right, so we got a lot to get to, but let's get to the news right out of the gate. 605, round number one, 
the great Don Stenzel. Yes, we have so much to talk about, and will we get up to six inches of snow this weekend? We're going to visit the revisit the snowfall accumulation, and it is growing and is in fact altering the travel plans of one President Joe Biden. So we'll talk about all of this this morning. But there is a break in the case, a tragic story in Delco, a 10th grade kid, Upper Darby, Pennsylvania, last spring. You may remember this story, horrifying situation of a 15-year-old victim, Michael Garr. And it just seemed random. Nobody could understand it. He was not so far from home, just walking home. And so now... Authorities say they have a suspect in custody, 24-year-old Marson Way, charged with first-degree murder and the death of Michael Garr, that 10th grader I'm talking about in the Upper Darby School District. Garr was, uh, as they've said, minding his own business when he was murdered. He was stabbed to death, and authorities calling this just a, a heinous, random murder. And now we're learning more about the suspect, this 24-year-old who, according to authorities, well, he should have not been walking the streets. So he had a rap sheet. Yes, sir. Of course. And the same suspect is suspected of also stabbing a pregnant lady during a carjacking just two months before allegedly murdering the teen, the innocent teenager. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he also was was in the hands of authorities in Ohio where he was accused of violent crimes. So... This is um, uh, tragically that that familiar theme that we've talked about where somebody who was a dangerous individual accused of other crimes had a long rap sheet. And this is just a random situation. This family now grieving. Awful. Just absolutely awful. Criminal justice system is completely broken. It's uh, they're You know, they're working hard to solve all these crimes. We'll talk about it this morning. I wanted to mention, however, Nick Hale started out, I think it was last week you started talking about, or excuse me, before we went on Christmas holiday break, Nick, you had talked about when will the masks come back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now we have, we do have an increase, and obviously soccer's out with the flu, the biggest increase with COVID, this new strain of COVID that affects people mostly with maybe compromised immune system uh, systems. But we have the largest um, health group in our region, Mainline Health System, and they are now the first to re- to call for this mask mandate in all of their facilities. So when you enter, regardless if you're sick or just visiting or whatever, everybody's got to be masked up? Yes. Great. So they're just trying to stop the spread. Mm. So Mainline Health, the first mask mandate um, for a health system. And they're saying COVID, COVID cases are way up in our region, flu cases way up. They have mentioned RSV. I will tell you that the latest numbers show RSV numbers are going down a bit. So that's, that's the one that is, uh, puts babies in the, in the, uh, NICU and right. in the, in the hospital. So that's, that's a good thing. But they're just warning everybody, like Greg Stalker, if you're not feeling well, if you have a fever, just stay home. I know. It's very simple. Three words, folks. Just stay home. <laughs> like the old drug it. commercial. <laughs> just say no. <laughs> Nick Hale, like Nancy Reagan. Yes. Just say no, right? Damn right. <laughs> Um, I know, I know you're going to talk about Epstein and, and the list. So I'm just going to headline that. The list has come out. Whoo! There's a lot to talk about with that one. Um, I will mention as well, we've talked about Sherelle Parker, Philadelphia's new mayor. She, uh, yeah, she was, um, well, she was scheduled for a Martin Luther King Jr. preview event. 
showed up an hour late. <laughs> and so maybe it's because she's new. She's in a lot of meetings, but getting some pushback on that one. So mm-hmm. I'll headline that one for you. But we had talked yesterday about President Joe Biden for the third commemoration of January 6th. We know was celebrating January 6th here in our area in Valley Forge Saturday. Mm-hmm. Because of all the snow in the forecast, Biden has now pushed up that pushed up the visit as Rich Zioli yet last night he called January 6th the highest holy holiday for the left. Yeah, you might as well just make so it funny. a national holiday on the calendar. <laughs> like right. Democrats can just celebrate. They're more excited for January 6th than they are Christmas. <laughs> never never forget. Oh my goodness. Remember, remember, remember with 9/11 it was never forget. Yeah. Not, like the Democrats just never want to forget J6. <laughs> so yeah. he's so he's yeah, yeah. So he's he'll be here tomorrow to okay. uh, commemorate January 6th. Yeah, we wouldn't want to have him slip as he's falling, uh, coming off of Air Force One in the snow. Oh, my goodness. Got to speed that up. So the forecast and the all-important, it's actually a pretty nice day today. Tomorrow, we have a lot of sunny skies. It's it's January. The code blue continues in Montgomery County, as we talked about yesterday. Today, we're looking at 44 degrees, mostly sunny skies, not any measurable precipitation. Tomorrow, for your Friday, we're looking at 40 degrees. We're at 37 right now, but 40 degrees for your Friday tomorrow. The big question is, what's going to happen this weekend? So Saturday, 39 degrees, 100% chance of precipitation. So this nor'easter coming up through the Gulf. So it, we will get precipitation. The question is, in what form? As the temperatures drop, remember yesterday I'd said, oh, we're in the low to mid 40s for Saturday. Now the model has changed 39 which means in the morning it's much colder. This is prime opportunity for some flurries or for a sleet snow mix, or depending on where you are, northwest of the city, north and west, you're going to get snow for your Saturday. Sunday morning, again, we start out cold and snow Sunday morning. The high on Sunday, 41 degrees. But they're saying between Saturday night into Sunday earlier, three to six inches potential for our entire region. All right, get the sleds out, kitties. Woohoo! Time to re- uh, revisit your youth. Your youth. It's been what seven hundred and twelve days <laughs> since we've had any accumulation. And the kids are counting just like they you are. are. They are. This is Kale and Company News Live. All right, Don. Thank you very much. Six twelve on this Thursday morning as we get ready for another big take. The big take on Kale and Company. The big take this morning, media slants and disgraced journalism. You know, the media and journalism as an industry at one time was considered fearless. They held those in power accountable. It could be the government, politicians, and elected officials. It could be the wealthy and really anybody or any institution of note. They would have to answer to reporters seeking the facts and the truth and then reporting that back to their audiences, their readership, or just citizens in general. And that has been gone for many, many years. In fact, many decades. Media is bought and paid for. They pander to a base. They appease advertisers. And they don't care if you know it or not. Take it or leave it. A perfect example was on display yesterday for the big take when we played you the clip of CNN's Matt Egan going out of his way to try to defend disgraced ex-Harvard University president Claudine Gay and her acts of plagiarism. Instead of reporting facts and ripping her for being exposed for the fraud that she is, he decided to insult you by saying that this is a more nuanced conversation and it wasn't plagiarism. 
she just got sloppy with her citations. A perfect illustration of how pathetic mainstream media has become. But this didn't start in 2021, once the Biden administration took over. This didn't start whenever wokeness began. This has been happening slowly but surely for over a half century. Kevin Bass is a medical student and scientist who has appeared in publications like Newsweek and has also appeared on the Tucker Carlson show. And recently, he provided a great breakdown of how journalists in the mainstream media have gradually left the Republican Party and how the early industry, and in fact, the entire industry, has skewed hard left since the early 1970s. Let me give you some facts and some data here. In 1971, 36% of journalists identified as Democrats, while 26% were Republicans and 33% were independents. By 1982, the media saw a 3% increase in Democrats, a 6% increase in independents, but a 7% decrease in Republicans. Fast forward a decade later, in 1992, where 44% of journalists were Democrats, 34% independent, and only 16% were Republicans. Now, if you skip ahead to the year 2013, just a decade ago, 50% of journalists were independent, 28% Democrat, and a mere 7% Republican. And just over a year ago, in the year 2022, only 3% of the media identified as Republican. So, over the course of half a century, Republican representation in the media has gone from 26% to 3%. Well, what does this mean? Well, obviously it means biased reporting, but it also goes to show you how the journalism field, as with most jobs, has seen the phasing out of conservatives, almost always by design, as the goal is to create a one-way school of thought. And it has also led to the same mistakes by all of the outlets. CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, NBC, ABC, and CBS News. They're all in lockstep with the same narratives, the same talking points, the identical slants, and the repeated bias by omission with the mistakes to boot. A perfect example was COVID. Instead of challenging those in the science field, or Big Pharma, or any blue city or blue state politician, they just regurgitated whatever the establishment wanted them to share. And then you have corporate America, pulling all the strings in conjunction with big tech, the government, and the financial sector. Vivek Ramaswamy put out a great tweet a few days ago where he said the following, quote, BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard represent the most powerful cartel in human history. They are the largest shareholders of nearly every major public company, even of each other. They use your own money to, re- to create a country that you never voted for, end quote. There's a video on Vivek's Twitter timeline from a few days ago that I encourage you to go watch, where he breaks it down in further detail. It's about seven or eight minutes long, quite fascinating and quite infuriating. But when you control the narrative and you control the message, you keep the power. I want you to listen and watch this clip about how much influence a few select companies have 
over almost everything in the United States of America and beyond. Listen and watch this. You look at who owns CNBC, who owns Fox, who owns CNN. At the top of the shareholder list, you have Vanguard and BlackRock. Then you look at the manufacturers of the jabs. Okay, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, who are the top shareholders mm-hmm. of those companies, Vanguard and BlackRock. Now you look at the flight companies that banned all flights. No flights unless you're taken care of. Who are the top shareholders? Vanguard, BlackRock. You look at the food. Okay, who are the top shareholders of all this junk food? Vanguard and BlackRock. So the media is controlled, the food is controlled, the narrative is controlled. The transportation is controlled. Who owns Meta? Who owns Snapchat? Who owns, well, used to be, but still kind of does, Twitter? Uh, who owns uh, Google? They're pushing the same narrative. The media is pushing, oh, it's the same company. It's BlackRock. It's Vanguard. Profit-driven co- Profit-driven companies. And that goes to what Vivek Ramaswamy talks about in the video I referenced earlier, But that version right there, much easier to digest. And this is why I say the media is all bought and paid for. It's all profit-driven. And losing a representative number of Republicans and or conservatives in journalism like the profession has over the last 50 years only makes it worse. And that's The Big Take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, big take this morning. If you want to jump in with thoughts and reaction, you can certainly do so. 855-839-1210, 855-839-1210 on social media at 1210WPHT. Or, of course, be a part of the Kale & Company comment community on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons and be a part of the show today. We'll come back, get thoughts and reactions to all of that. And the Epstein documents drop last night. There's a lot to digest from a very, very busy day and evening last night. We'll do that on the other side. Nick, Dawn, Anthony, and Phil. It's Kale and Company, live here on a Thursday morning on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. It's Kale and Company on demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Get us on the free Odyssey app. And, of course, watch us live on YouTube, 855 855- 839-1210 is how you jump in. What's on the cut sheet coming up 745 this morning. Our buddy Sean Farash, the great Trump impersonator, at 9 o'clock. So let's get to the big story that we were all anticipating the release yesterday. And it took uh, into the evening hours, probably what, in the 7, 8 o'clock hour last night, when this information started to trickle out. And there's so much to work our way through, but let's not bury the lead let's go right into the names and the information that was dropped last night as i believe i saw benny johnson had tweeted it the official document it's over 940 pages long so of course you know it's 7 45 at night and i'm like all right well can i find a more condensed version just give me the names (laughs) and the juicy stuff (laughs) you know i don't want to take until easter to read this stinking document uh, so you go through it, and Axios has a pretty good breakdown of the most notable names and some of the damning evidence. And again, worth mentioning that these are not the flight logs. A federal judge unsealed hundreds of pages of court documents 
from the lawsuit uh, related to the deceased convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein and uh, Jelaine Maxwell, uh, who was sentenced uh, last year to 20 years in prison on sex trafficking and other charges. So we get former President Bill Clinton um, mentioned over 50 times, though the filings, quote, do not indicate any evidence of illegality on his part, so they say. Uh, But a very uh, damning quote where Clinton apparently uh, one of Epstein's accusers say that the financier had remarked that Clinton, quote, likes them young, referring to girls. Makes your skin crawl when you hear that. Clinton, 50 times, likes them young. Prince Andrew is referenced repeatedly in the documents. In one instance, a witness testified that the British prince allegedly, quote, put his hand on my breast, end quote, as he has always denied any wrongdoings in regards to his links to Epstein. Alan Dershowitz, who we mentioned yesterday, who helped Epstein get a sweetheart plea deal, is named in the filings more than 130 different times. Michael Jackson is mentioned. A witness, uh, a witness named in the document said she met the late singer at Epstein's house in Palm Beach. When asked if she gave him a massage, she said no. David Copperfield, a witness, said she spoke with the magician at a dinner at Epstein's home. She did not describe any illegal behavior by Copperfield, but representatives for Copperfield did not immediately respond for comment. Those those are some of the biggest names. Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz, Michael Jackson, David Copperfield. Uh, Dawn, your thoughts and reactions to that, because my initial impression and takeaway is, even though these are some very big names, I feel like we have not even cracked the surface as to what really transpired at various locations with various high-profile people with various uh, victims. I think I think this is a a breadcrumb compared mm-hmm. to what really is out there. To be honest, I'm a little disappointed by this. I think number one, it's good that it's getting the coverage it is. Oh sure, I'm mm-hmm. glad that everybody's talking about it, which is appropriate. Everybody wants to know who are the powerful individuals who have been able to somehow uh, duck the media. And I know you're going to get to the media aspect um, and really a media cover-up. I have been obsessed with this story ever since learning about it. Some of these young victims, how they were groomed, going through you know, really uh, very tough, different types of situations, vulnerable in their lives, the youngest of whom... And some of them, by the way, were brought in from other countries, mm-hmm. uh, 12 years old, you know, starting those, the, the grooming. I mean, the whole thing is just sick. But for me, I still will say this. For example, with Dershowitz, you know, I know it's easy to go, oh, he's a little freaky guy. But the truth is the one woman who, the one, she's now a woman who had accused him, then she came back and said, well, it might have been another guy who looked like him. Mm-hmm. So in the court documents, when they say mentions, these are court, this is a, these are various court cases, some of them civil cases going back. But my question ultimately, and if you watch that documentary, and I think, you know, we've all talked about this, 
the authorities knew, and there were some detectives, and one who was profiled in the documentary and interviewed a father of daughters like you, Nick, and he was somebody who was uh, the detective in Florida was sickened by this. Right. And then when that plea deal was struck, and and Epstein had to had to you know plead guilty essentially to charges of you know human trafficking of young girls, etc. And he still got off light. Mm-hmm. And and so the detectives and the police, just from that aspect of it, they were so frustrated. They couldn't believe. And that's mm-hmm. when I think they started to think, uh-oh, this guy has some powerful people behind him mm-hmm. that he could have cut this unprecedented deal. Yeah. Dorenzo, what, do you, what are your takeaways from what you saw and read last night? I mean, it is actually more than I thought we were going to get, and I guess earlier than... I believed we would get it because they kept kind of saying, oh, this will be delayed. John Doe X, Y, or Z is holding this up. And I just, the, the craziest thing to me about this story and the more I looked at it and being around news and news media, as much as this has been suppressed, I, I just feel the way we were talking about Republican journalism, like you just were, mm-hmm. it's the same way with this kind of story, especially because other than if it's Trump, if it seems like the people on the left, they only care if this name, if, if Trump's on the list, right. we should, these are children. Why? Why do we not care? Whoever it is, we, we all want the lead with the victims. Exactly. Why? Yeah. Why are we not talking? These are children. This is an insane story. If this happened in another country, and the country was suppressing it the way that we are, we would call them out. Mm-hmm. But it's happening here. It's happening every day. It, it, this is something we need to keep pushing on this. And, and to Dawn's point, I'm very, very excited that people are, you know, energized and want to know the truth about this. Yeah. I just think where there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. So we get a couple of names. Maybe you didn't, you weren't expecting, you know, David Copperfield mm-hmm. or, I mean, we know Michael Jackson's history, but his name was on there. I, I've got, and this is just an assumption on my part, and these are the documents, 943 pages. I've got to imagine that the, the flight logs are probably far more salacious mm-hmm. and damning, and we've yet to get those. You know, Senator, uh, Republican Senator from Brentwood, Tennessee, Marshall Blackburn, keeps pushing the issue. She's been, you know, stonewalled at every turn, a lot of pushback and resistance from guys like Dick Durbin. But, I mean, I think this is, you know, this is a step in the right direction, mm-hmm. but I, it's just my assumption that there's so much more out there that we're not even being told about right now. Now, for Copperfield, he's the famous magician. He yeah. reportedly was brought, supposedly was brought in as entertainment. That's one report, but that he had actually said to one, he had actually openly said, stated, "Do you know that some of these girls are recruiting other girls?" And that he was talking about it, and and according to one account within here, that he was disturbed. So some of these people, when we when we're naming their names, may have been there. Maybe they were brought in for entertainment. Uh, you know, we and that's what we have to go through. Mm-hmm. Just because we're mentioning a name, I know, like we mentioned, Alan Dershowitz, who's vehemently denied this. Bill Richardson, the former New Mexico governor, mm-hmm. Glenn Dubin, billionaire hedge fund manager, and then Les Wexner, that billionaire founder of Bath and Body Works. Mm-hmm. And then there are some modeling agents from, you know, the, the French um, modeling agent, Jean-Luc Brunel. He's, he's the one who killed himself back in jail just in 2022. Oh. He was awaiting trial on charges that he had raped young girls. So he kills himself. Mm-hmm. Epstein ends up dead in a cell. Very interesting. I'm sure that's just totally coincidental. Yeah, the Ghislaine trial's over, too. She's locked up. Like, mm-hmm. this is 
this is overdue. So that's that's like why you're saying, Nick, I, I'm worried that this is going to just be the crumbs and they'll be like, oh, well, we know now. Yeah. And we and, don't. And you mentioned so many people. Well, is Trump on the list? Is Trump on the list? The answer is no. Uh, some of the testimony that was released last night. Question. Uh, and I guess they're going through the list of names here. Uh, one of the questions was Marvin Minsky. Answer. I don't know that. George Lucas. No. Donald Trump, no. Did you ever massage Donald Trump? No. So for all the the left-wing psychos out there that were thinking, oh, I can't wait to see if Trump's name's... Donald Trump, apparently nothing to do with any of this. So uh, all the left-wingers can uh, look for their next bit of outrage with Trump. So, <laughs> You know, Anthony, we played that sound yesterday of a lawyer back from like 2018, 2019 with um, a lawyer who talked about Trump. And this is the lawyer representing about 70 of the, more than 70 of the young victims. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was telling because by all accounts, we keep hearing, and we talked about this yesterday morning, that Trump was somebody who even defended in a 2002 magazine article, said, oh, Jeffrey Epstein, great guy. It was like a, a puff piece that New York was doing on him. Right. And then something turned and Trump just, you know, didn't have anything to do with him. And so maybe we'll learn more about that. I just find it interesting that Trump never really, you know, he just became, he just went silent on the guy. They probably heard through the grapevine what was going on. I was like, I I can't be, you know, I'm not going to get involved with that. I'm going to, you know, cut my ties right now because, you know, I mean, well, that's what I would do. I mean, if I, if I had a connection with Jeffrey Epstein and then all of a sudden I found out that he's into sex trafficking with minors and pedophilia. I would sever all ties with that guy and make sure that my name's never connected to him again in any way, shape, or form. You don't want to be connected with that, even if you're not doing anything wrong, right? So, Yeah, two things I would say about this. Number one, because we've talked a lot about, and I always get it wrong, The vo- is it The Sound of Freedom? The so, voice the sound of, yeah the, sound, mo- the movie from this summer yes, yes yeah, sound yeah, of freedom yeah, yeah. i always want to say voice of freedom but sound of freedom based on human trafficking and um i think what the ending of that spoiler alert but you learn that the the number one demand for young kids boys and girls in america yeah. uh, we have the i guess um, tragically we have the most uh pervy creepy <laughs> you know clients here mm-hmm. so i think it brings it brings that to light. But number two, I have heard some people say, well, these girls, you know, they, even though maybe they were 12, 13, 14, when they began to groom them, you know, the the one Virginia Gouffre who was previewed in the documentary, you know, at some point she was 16 and 17. And as a 16 year old, she's the one that was with brought to Prince Andrew. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have the conversations for parents and all of us to wrap our brains around that when young kids are groomed for something, you may say, well, they were 16, 17, they, it, it was consensual. No, they're children. Yeah, they've been manipulated. They've been manipulated, They and they already were children who were deemed by sicko, you know, um, Ghislaine right. Maxwell. Mm-hmm. She chose them for a reason. Right. They were vulnerable, they were corrupted, and then they just were taken advantage of, and it's like you should come to your senses. It's almost like you're trying to say that they, you know, some people think they should have came to their senses as young adults, which, let's be honest, at 16 or 17, you're not really a young adult. Exactly. You're still a minor. You're, you're 10 years away from your brain forming. But even with um, something in the family or even with the priest abuse cases that we've, you know, spotlight, 
amazing mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. What you learn is when they get these young kids and they and they groom them, it's almost like brainwashing. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard to wrap your brain around, but it's important for parents to look at this. Now, you may say, well, my kid, we're in a strong family. This could never happen in my family. But think about social media. Think about all, every, all the influences, then the mental health crisis. I just think it's important that we're all aware. And I know somebody's going to say, Dawn, you're already like, yes, pet, like, I am paranoid about pedophiles. I'll admit it. When my kids were little, like my kids have stories for you. But part of that is because as a news reporter, you know, all of my life, mm-hmm. I covered so yeah. many of these cases. And they were people who were able to get in with families even and gain their trust. Yeah. Yep. 855-839-1210. Speaking of news reporters, on the other side, you will hear from ABC's Amy Robach. Um, we're going to get to that clip that surfaced about five years ago, what she knew and why it never came to light from what she was informed of back in 2015. We'll go down memory lane there if you don't recall Uh, Stick around. You're going to want to hear and see that as well as Epstein's brother with uh, a partially false accusation about what could have been in 2016 with the election between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Put a bow on the Epstein stuff when we come back. Kale and Company, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Continuing live here Thursday morning, Nick, Dawn, Anthony, and Phil, 855-839-1210. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. What's on the cut sheet coming up 745? Also, still ahead this morning, the fallout from Harvard University and Claudine Gay continues. We've got also three pairs of tickets to give away for Major League Wrestling. Also, Joe Biden moving up his trip to this area to January 5th to commemorate January 6th due to inclement weather. Dark Brandon, apparently, is going to be resurfacing. We will uh, tell you about that story as we continue. Yes, let's go, Dark Brandon. (laughs) 855-839-1210. All right, so we mentioned going to the break, um, ABC's Amy Robach, who apparently, um, we're going to play you this audio and this video. This was something that I believe surfaced in the fall of 2019, as she was on the set of um, the studios of ABC News, I guess she was kind of tipped off or had sources or you know did her due diligence in reporting on a 2015 interview that she had conducted with Virginia Guffrey, who had then accused Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew of sexual misconduct. And here's the audio and video as she expresses the frustration that the network did not go with and run and publish what they were sitting on. So take a listen and watch this. I've had the story for three years. I've had this interview with Virginia Roberts. We would not put it on the air. Um, First of all, I was told, who's Jeffrey Epstein? No one knows who that is. This is a stupid story. Um, Then the palace found out that we had her whole allegations about Prince Andrew and threatened us a million different ways. Um... We were so afraid we wouldn't be able to interview Kate and Will that we that also quashed the story. 
and then um, and then Alan Dershowitz was also implicated in because of the planes. So she told me everything. She had pictures. She had everything. She was in hiding for 12 years. We convinced her to come out. We convinced her to talk to us. Um, it was unbelievable what we had. Clinton. We had everything. I, I tried for three years to get it on to no avail, and now it's all coming out, and it's like these new revelations, and I freaking had all of it. I, I, I'm so pissed right now. Like every day, I get more and more pissed because I'm just like, oh my god, we—it was um, what, what we had was unreal. Other women backing it up. Hey, yep. Brad Edwards, the attorney, three years ago, saying like, aunt, like. We, there will come a day when we will realize Jeffrey Epstein was the most prolific pedophile this country has ever known. I had it all three years ago. So do I think he was killed? A hundred percent. Yes, I do. Because you want he made his whole living blackmailing people. Yeah. There were a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. All right, so there you have it. Um, I got to imagine, Dawn, as a TV news anchor and journalist, that that's the kind of story, if you're in that profession, that can you know make a career and you can be one of those people that breaks that kind of news. Uh, you've been in that profession. I mean, what did she go through with basically being told to quash that and they were sitting on that for so long and couldn't run with it a couple of things she's the one in the headlines for you know she was married to andrew shoe who is the brother of elizabeth shoe right elizabeth and um and so she was allegedly cheating on her husband and so she she re- fairly recently had left gma and has is now um in a relationship with her former co-anchor TJ Holmes and that so she that's her now she has said she and Andrew Shue her husband they were already separated and so on and so forth so she's just so everybody knows she's a very petite pretty blonde who was on GMA for a long time so what what many people do and I I believe what she did and her team because when you're at that level at the network it's not just you when when she says we had it all you know she had a producer and a writer full staff and she had a full staff working with her and so they leaked it. That's what you do. You leak it um, to a, a print publication. And so it still gets out. It's frustrating because you have it on tape. But I have no doubt whatsoever that she worked with others and she gave up that information because it was too big. And she clearly believed it. You can hear it. In her voice. I mean, she she knew she she was interviewing so many people and probably because when you're working when you're working on a major story like that, you're already doing interviews with so many people who are off the record or on background. Right. So by the time you get to somebody who you talk to, you know, talk into doing an interview um, on camera, even if you cover up their identity, you've already you've already interviewed dozens of people. Mm-hmm. So in other words, she knew a lot more than she was even saying. Yeah. So. To me, that's a very, I know ABC News is covering this right now. When she refers to the palace, she's referring to Disney, you know, the castle, you mm-hmm. know, in Florida and so on and so forth. It's a horrible look for, for Disney. Of course. But there are other media moguls and other major media outlets that ignored this. And I do hope that as we look at the tale of the complicity, 
between media and broadcasting and everything that's going on in our in our world as far as politically the we the pattern that we see media so-called mainstream media is complicit oh yeah right mm-hmm. absolutely 855-839-1210 let me grab ray in warminster to wrap up the hour ray you're on talk radio 1210 wpht you go ahead ray happy new year everybody what's going on buddy not much. You're getting better, by the way. I'm trying, day by day. <laughs> yeah, I only drove 25 miles in a turnpike before you picked it. So it was a 25-mile phone hole this morning, but it's good. It's good. <laughs> what do you got, pal? So listen, you talked about Trump being positive about Epstein before he found out everything. I knew a person for well over 25 years that I worked with directly for 14 of those years. That if you had told me he would have done what he did, I would never have believed you. Mm-hmm. And when the accusations came out of what this person did, which were horrible, I knew this guy for 25 years and he was doing it for probably all those years. I had no, I would never have guessed it in a million years this guy was capable of doing what he did. Yeah. That stuff happens all the time. And then mm-hmm. these stuff just say, oh, you know, he's covering up or whatever. This stuff happens. Yeah. You could be living right next door to who you think is the kindest human being in the world, and they could be a evil, evil SOB. Yeah, no, you're right, Ray. There's no doubt about it. There's so many people out there that are capable of living double lives, you know, you, you, having a secret wife, uh, being a, how? A, a serial killer. I don't know how. I don't, I, I don't know how people do stuff <laughs> like that, um, but some people are just able to pull off. And they can almost, like, it's almost like a split personality where they go from oh, being yeah. this b- person by day and then being that person by night. Yeah. It, I mean, people, you never know. You could think you know someone as well as you, you know, possibly can, and things can change in a second like that. So, But there were rumors about Epstein oh, that yeah. started, yeah. definitely yeah. start by 2018, 2019, you know, there was. I mean, a, even at 2015. Out, yeah, yeah. Like Trump brought it up there. in the debates with uh, against Hillary. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, spe- speaking of that, uh, the New York Post just to wrap it up here. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein said if he revealed what quote what I know about both candidates, the 2016 election would have to be canceled. That according to epstein's brother uh let me give you just an excerpt from the new york post so jeffrey epstein had information on donald trump and the clintons so incendiary that it could have upended the 2016 presidential election if made public according to the dead financier's younger brother quote here's a direct quote if i had said what i know about both candidates they'd have to cancel the election that's what Jeffrey told me in 2016. Mark Epstein told the Wash, uh, the New York Post on Wednesday, recalling a conversation he had with his brother about the showdown between Trump and Hillary Clinton. However, property developer Mark, 69 years old, uh, then decided to uh, not push or to elaborate, saying his brother never revealed to him exactly what he knew about the then presidential hopeful. So this could be all hogwash and nonsense yeah. and, you know, total uh, BS, but he comes out and tries to say that. But to your point, Dorenzo, you know, Trump was mentioning this type of stuff and floating this stuff out there in, in what, what did you say, 2015? Yeah, that was done 15 on the campaign trail, yeah. So... so. All right, well, there you go, 855-839-1210. If you want to jump in, we'll come back. We'll get to news for Hour 2 with Dawn, and then the fallout from Harvard continues with Claudine Gay. She could actually earn a raise in her new role. So much for being the victim, huh, Claudine? We'll get to that as we continue. Hour 2 next. Stare right there. 
Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Nikhail Don Stenzlin, Anthony Dorenzo, Phil Omquist. Greg Stocker out today. Little um, bounce back of the flu. He's got a little bit of a fever. He texted us at like 2 in the morning. Crazy guy. We're in the middle of a segment! I was like, I'm in the middle of REM sleep right now, pal. Yeah, I did not see that until it was like, you know, 4.15 this morning. And then I realized I had to run the show. Don saw it at like 12.45. Don's like, I feel better, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you doing awake? We gotta be up in four hours. I know. Vampire. Don never sleeps. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) She runs on coffee. Not Duncan, though. <laughs> Not Duncan. All right. But if Duncan wants to sponsor us, they can certainly do so. Amen. Hey, we'll take or their Wawa money. Or Wawa Coffee. Or Wawa. Yum. Yeah, we're capitalists on this program. We'll take your dollars. <laughs> 855-839-1210 is the phone number. Coming up in a couple of minutes, we will get to the uh, latest fallout from Harvard University with Claudine Gay. Uh, Dorenzo made a good point during the break because I, I, I don't know this for certain. I guess I could look it up. Um, is Jeffrey Epstein a Harvard grad? I think he is. But if I'm wrong, there's certainly pictures of him floating uh, throughout social media um, wearing the old school sweatshirt. Before, like, hooded sweatshirts became a thing, you would have, like, the crew cut oh, yeah. sweatshirt. Yeah, yeah. And he's wearing the Harvard sweatshirt. That's a bit of rough, but not a good look for Harvard. Between Claudine Gay and, and Jeffrey Epstein wearing a Harvard hoodie. Uh, if I'm up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I'm like, you know what? I, I'd like to get off of the news cycle. Can't you guys go after Trump or go after Biden or go after somebody else? Let's get us out of the news cycle these days. So uh, we will get to the latest with that because Claudine Gay published an op-ed in the New York Times where she goes on the offensive claiming that she uh, fell into a well-laid trap. And she's decrying the attack against her. Not only is it racist, but it's an attack on education and expertise. We'll get to Claudine Gay, who doesn't want to seem to go away. Uh, that'll be coming up in just a little bit. But let's get to the news. Uh, actually, right before we get to the news, let's give away these wrestling tickets, if we could, Anthony Dorenzo. Uh, we've got three pairs again to give away in the 7, 8 o'clock, and 9 o'clock hours today. So caller 12 uh, right now at 855-839-1210. You'll get a pair of tickets to see a live taping of Major League Wrestling. That is this Saturday, January 6th at the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia. Caller 12-855-839-1210. All right, without further ado, the news, round number two, the great Don Stensland. And good morning with snow in the forecast. So we'll tell you uh, when the snow is expected to begin. The forecast, it's a big one. We could see the most significant snowfall in years here across our region. So that's going on, and we'll have the full forecast in just a moment. A lot of news out of Delaware County because of police saying that they cracked two cases of two different murders, both random-type murders. So one of them I profiled at 6 a.m., the murder of an innocent 15-year-old kid walking home one night, one one afternoon, I should say, and we have an arrest in that one. The other, just this past October, um, and that was, or yes, just this past October, that was the murder of a 65-year-old man as he was pulling up in the parking lot of a mosque in Upper Darby. So we know that the DA of Delco announced the arrest of a man named Herman Steigel, 20 years old, of Philadelphia, in connection to the death of Muhammad 
Rahman, 65-year-old victim here who was shot and killed during a carjacking just outside the Islamic Center there along 69th Street. And that happened last late October. You may remember this, that Mr. Rahman, his family, his community inside the mosque, he was pulling up to for worship. And that's when he was attacked. And this was a, a carjacking situation that was happening. And just another innocent victim. And again, the arrest of somebody well-known to authorities, somebody from Philadelphia crossing over into Delaware County. And this innocent victim, you know, taken his life taken, his family still grieving. And then we also have the arrest in the case of the 15-year-old Upper Darby boy, and that's one they've been searching for, that suspect, 24-year-old Marson Way. So this morning we're learning more about him, that he's the same suspect, also suspected of stabbing a pregnant woman during a carjacking just two months before he's accused of attacking and murdering a 10th grader in the Upper Darby School District, Michael Garr, innocent victim, great kid, who we've talked a lot about. And the community in in both these cases was, you know, supporting police, thanking them for their investigations, but just hoping and praying that somebody would come forward or that they would find the right evidence. So they've cracked both these cases. They have arrests in both of these. And much as in the murder of Mr. Rahman, in the murder of Michael, young Michael Garr, Somebody, again, with a long track record, if you will, of violent crimes. These these tragedies are so preventable if people will just do their stinking job. And this starts with the politicians enforcing the laws, the prosecutors on down the... I mean, if we're going to just keep giving these get-out-of-jail-free cards and these criminal justice reparations, I mean, this is what's going to happen to innocent people. It's just... It's yeah. tragic. Now, they're crediting the Philadelphia Crime Lab with... Because all the authorities have... Uh, you know, we we have a lot of new technology that we've talked a lot about. So the Philadelphia Crime Lab assisting this and connecting a lot of the dots, so DNA evidence. So that's good news. And giving local law enforcement as well as statewide law enforcement more ammunition, if you will, as far as technology and the labs and, and all of that. And they've asked for more of that. That's something that Mayor Sherelle Parker had talked about. So um, hopefully we, we see more crimes being solved Thanks to the Crime Lab and their great work here in Philadelphia as well as in the suburbs. Masks are required for patients and visitors at all mainline health facilities. That official uh, release, that announcement, and that the masking requirement begins today, mm-hmm. Thursday, January 4th, and it will last for two weeks. Okay. we got to flatten the curve over the next 14 days. Yeah, they're saying, and, you know, they're talking about, and there are a ton of them, you know, mainline health, they span across our region. So a lot of times you think of just the main life, mainline hospitals, you know, in Bryn Mawr, Lankanaw, where my boys were born, that sort of thing. No, it's it's across the region, Broomall, mm. Exton Square, KOP, Collegeville, all mainline healthcare locations. I, you know, this is one of the reasons why I haven't gone to my local doctor or like one of those little urgent care places. Mm-hmm. Because of the the post nasal thing I'm dealing with, yeah. I probably should have like my you know have them look up my nose and look down my throat just to see if I have like a sinus infection or if they want to give me like a steroid or you know something to to knock it out. And the reason I haven't gone is because I just don't have I I don't want to have to go in, put the mask on, 
ask uh, be asked five different questions have you been have you had covid recently have you been in contact with anybody mm-hmm. with COVID? and it's like no no not that i know of i mean i don't know maybe i'm asymptomatic and it's because of this again we're gonna we're gonna do I, although i will say i'm a little surprised that the schools haven't reinstated mask mandates post holidays i was wrong on thank that, that guess and i'm glad i'm glad to be wrong yeah thank thank god for that i i by the way anthony i i, I told aunt i was trying to bring you because we have honey. Yeah. We have a nice ginger tea, a ginger lemon tea. Yeah. The hot water machine is broken. Oh, shocking. We have two of them. Right. So I said, Ann, I'm trying to bring him some, like, tea with some honey, uh-huh. you know, to try to... Yeah, we got to go across to the other side of the building to get the hot water. Maybe they have the hot... Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the whip side is... Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah, the sports okay. side. The sports and the KYW will have all the good stuff. They'll have all the hot water. We get the busted Yetis and the busted Keurigs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, from... Hopefully, you know, I think you might have... Like you're saying, not COVID, not flu, not RSV, thank God. Yeah. But these COVID and flu cases are rising across the region. That's that's why Mainline Health is doing the mask thing. But RSV infections, they say, they are down in our area, up in other parts of the country. But for New Jersey and, and PA, right. cross your fingers, RSV cases going down. So the CDC say, making some comments about that. So Christiana Care and Tower Health. They're urging all patients and visitors to wear a mask, especially if you are coming in sick, mm-hmm. but they're not mandating it. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I, I mean, I haven't had loss of smell or taste. I haven't had a stuffy nose or runny nose. I just have the post-nasal drip just going right down the back of my throat. That's the only thing I've had for like seven days, but it just hasn't hasn't given up. Which is the worst, you know, when you're hosting a, a broadcaster. four-hour morning show. I know. <laughs> my God. But I love... Everybody's rooting for you. We heard, you know, a gentleman calling just a second ago saying, hey, you sound a little, your voice sounds a little better. <laughs> um, in New Jersey, we have Governor Phil Murphy. He was speaking out about some of these immigrant, more immigrant buses arriving in New Jersey. And so it's being used as a transit point for these migrant buses headed for New York City after the new executive order. This, according to um, the governor. So, you know, we've talked about this, that in the past, Governor Phil Murphy took a pass on letting migrants come to New Jersey. But Murphy's office has reportedly confirmed that, yes, New Jersey is being used as this transit point for all of these migrant buses in response to New York City Mayor Eric Adams' new executive order. That's he's trying to regulate how the so-called asylum seekers are continuing <clears throat> to arrive in the Big Apple. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're. Pl- I think they're playing this this game back and forth. Oh, uh, of course uh, they right? are. Right, because they're Democrats, so they don't want to look like they're, you know, ha- they don't want to look like they're against sanctuary cities, mm-hmm. New Jersey, right? Right, right. They, they, they're on record as saying we're a sanctuary. Yeah. But not really. No, not at all. So we have that going on, and we're watching that very carefully. And I know that he held a new, I think uh, Murphy held a news conference yesterday, so maybe we'll have that sound moving forward. Just some other headlines. The Biden administration last night made it official, even though we've, we knew this was coming. We've talked about it. The Biden administration <clears throat> um, suing Texas yeah. for their border policy. So they made it official yeah. last night about six o'clock ish. Because Greg Abbott actually has the audacity to enforce the law and make it a crime if you illegally enter his. Like, where would we be right now without Texas? Texas is the only state. Well, I guess you maybe throw in Arizona as well. 
But like Texas has really kind of been left out there to dry. Like forget sanctuary cities for a moment and what Eric Adams is pleading for or Brandon Johnson or anybody else. Because because these are the ones that said, oh, yeah, we're a sanctuary city. Come here. Come one, come all. Then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, we're way too full. We can't deal with this. Uh, the Biden administration, can you help us out? Greg Abbott's the only guy fighting back against this. I mean, obviously he deals with it more than any because of, you know, where the state's located. But thank God for Greg Abbott. And yet the mainstream media will vilify him. It's inhumane to do what you're doing. Okay. Inhumane to show up Democrats? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that to your point, Nick, think about that. If Abbott had not thought of busing folks to kind of uh, spread the wealth, then we wouldn't know about it because New, New York City was a brilliant destination because yeah. it's the media mecca. Well, and then yesterday, the White House had the audacity to say on January 3rd that um, immigration is down. So they actually opened up four other points of entry. Can you imagine sitting there and having the gall to say uh, immigration is down after the December we just had where there was 302,000 encounters? That was a new record, by the way. They, 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 Last month. The binder just gets up there and she lies to you every day at 2 o'clock. <laughs> uh, we, have the, we have a date on record. So House Republicans, of course, including our local congressman, Brian Fitzpatrick, they were in um, Eagle Pass, Texas, Yesterday and they're today meeting with law enforcement. Speaking of the Texas border, House Repor Republicans are to seek impeachment of U.S. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and they've set a date for next Wednesday. So that's going on. And of course, we have Donald J. Trump. I'm just headlining this, asking SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States, to overturn that controversial Colorado ballot ruling that Nick Hale has talked a lot about. And President Joe Biden coming to our region tomorrow. Why tomorrow when, in fact, he was slated to come here on January 6th for the third commemoration of J6? Uh, he's coming here tomorrow because of the storm that is looming. Major, major storm and precipitation event. I'll call it that. A major precipitation event. So all the meteorologists love talking about this, and we'll see a lot of headlines. But truthfully, this thing could change, and it could change to all rain, or it could change to a whole lot of snow. So as we look at the forecast, we're at 37 degrees and cloudy right now. Feels like 35 out with a slight breeze. Let's look at the high for today. A lot of bright sunshine today, 44 degrees, cooling down to 40 for a very sunny, brisk Friday for you. And then Saturday. Now, I'm looking at the, the forecast since an hour, about an hour and 10 minutes ago. We were at 39 degrees. Now the high for Saturday, 38 degrees. Okay. It's going down. Remember yesterday, they yeah, said it was, was going to be... Mm -hmm. Or low 40s. So, so this tells me, you know, when we have a 100% chance of precipitation, originally... Earlier this week and on last Sunday, they were saying Saturday would be an all-rain event. But looking north and northwest of the city of Philadelphia, for example, there, there's we're going to see snow. Not for everybody, but it looks more likely that it's going to be the snow. It's a nor'easter. Sunday morning, snow coming in. But we are supposed to warm up across the region on Sunday to 41 degrees. And then Monday, bright sunny skies, 44 degrees. So it melts. 
the timing really matters here, obviously, but we're going to, we're going to get snow. Some models, some meteorologists in the area are saying up to six inches, especially north and northwest. So if you're in the Poconos, then obviously a great ski weekend, I guess. Yeah. My question is for New York, it with the, with obviously the, the Eagles playing the Giants in New York. The Eagles! What does that mean? Are they going to be playing in a, blizzard and a snowstorm as if that game couldn't be uglier you know with the two teams who in their current states you know with the giants stinking and the eagles on a bad run <sighs> now we're going to play in a blizzard great oh my goodness mm-hmm. captive audience yep. we will be this is kale and company news live all right don thank you very much 855-839-1210 cut sheet coming up at seven forty-five. on the other side claudine gay the victim or not kale and company talk radio 1210 wphd this is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Thursday morning, what's on the cut sheet? Coming up 745. Nick, Don, Anthony, and Phil here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Get us on the free Odyssey app. And of course, watch us live on YouTube. The great Sean Farash coming up at 9 o'clock. Don, uh, Donald Trump impressionist. There'll be... Uh, Joining us for the first time in the new year. Going to have a few laughs. A lot of heavy stuff here in the first hour and a half of the show from uh, the big take to all the Jeffrey Epstein documents that were revealed last night to the fallout that continues with Harvard University and Claudine Gay. And, you know, you reiterate it again and again and again, but the left, they don't want to hear it. It's not about race. It was never about race because, well, McGill at Penn also was forced out of her job because of anti-Semitism, and she's a white lady. So it has nothing to do with the color of your skin or your race. This has to do with anti-Semitism for both McGill and Gay. And in Gay's case, it was anti-Semitism and plagiarism. So apparently the guilt trip continues as she continues to play the victim guard, uh, and we're talking about Claudine Gay, who just published an op-ed in, surprise, surprise, the New York Times, where she decries attacks on, quote, education and expertise, and she says that she, quote, fell into a well-laid trap before Congress, and says that the people to called for her resignation and firing uh, trafficked in lies and stereotypes about, quote, Black talent. Let me read you this. This is um, her op-ed guest essay. I don't know if she plagiarized this as well or not. But she says, what happened to me at Harvard is bigger than just me. Uh, She goes on to say, yes, I made mistakes in my initial response to the atrocities of October 7th. I should have stated more forcefully what all people of good conscience know. Hamas is a terrorist organization that seeks to eradicate the Jewish state. And at a congressional hearing last month, I fell into a well-laid trap. I neglected to clearly articulate that calls for the genocide of Jewish people are abhorrent and unacceptable, and that I would use every tool at my disposal to protect students from that kind of hate. Never did I imagine needing to defend decades-old and broadly respected research, but the past several weeks have laid waste to truth. Those who had relentlessly campaigned to oust me since the fall often trafficked in lies 
and insults, not reasoned argument. They recycled tired racial stereotypes about black talent and temperament. They pushed a false narrative of indifference and incompetence. And there's more to it, but I'll stop right there. See, the big issue here is she is now once again trying to say that this was racially motivated. There was an agenda here, which clearly there wasn't. And I actually think the MIT leader is going to survive because if you read yesterday, the MIT leader that also fell into the same mistakes as Claudine Gay and Liz McGill at Penn, she actually penned a letter and emailed it out to the entire student body at MIT saying that maybe she didn't understand the levels of anti-Semitism that are apparently going on at places like Harvard, Penn, and MIT, and she asked to be educated, and I'm paraphrasing here, she asked to be educated on maybe her ignorance, and all that, all that's all you had to do was either decry and say, you know what, no, obviously genocide uh, and the calls for genocide do not fall under the Harvard Code of Conduct, she would have kept her job. Or she could have said when she had 17 different opportunities under Elise Stefanik's questioning to say, all right, well, maybe I'm unaware of just how bad of a problem this really is. Ignorance is no defense. Please educate me on this. She probably keeps her job. But she's gone down kicking and screaming. She lasted, what, 28 days. Mm -hmm. The plagiarism counts continued to rise to 40, if not 50 different incidents and there was no other recourse there was no other option for harvard but to basically say hey you have to step down you have to resign and we're feeling it financially from big donors but yet immediately she's got the opportunity to go to the new york times and pen an op-ed i said yesterday in the big take dawn she'll probably end up as a guest host on msnbc (laughs) by february and oh by the way if she wants to play the victim card She's going to continue to get paid $900,000 a year. It's ridiculous. And that's, as I said yesterday, I mean, Elise Stefanik asked 17 times asking the question. And and after the third or fourth, or how is this a well-laid trap? It's a really direct question to just asking the question about condemning somebody who is saying, you know, is the genocide of Jewish people is this wrong? Is it part of your policy? This was a no-brainer. And to say it's a well-laid trap? It's a one-word answer. That's absurd. <laughs> it's a one-word <laughs> answer. Do you condone this? No. Will you tolerate this? No. She should have emphatically said it. And Will you take action? Of course, yes. yes. <laughs> and of course we don't. You know, And she could have thrown it back on the Republican New York Congresswoman. She could have thrown it back and said... You know, all due respect here, Congresswoman, but of course yeah. I condemn this. Of course it's not part of our policy, and that should have been her reaction. Yep. According Jeez. to the New York Post, Harvard will continue to pay her around $900,000 a year, Mm-mm. even for her lesser role as a top administrator. Quote, she is expected to receive a salary comparable to what she previously received, if not higher adds the New York Post. You know, you keep talking about race, and it's a racial-motivated attack, and I would argue the, the it actually is about race. 
you probably only got this job as a DEI hire that you were not qualified for because of your race and or gender. And you're probably only remaining in this role where you're going to make just a sliver below a seven-figure salary because of your race and or gender. I would assume, now maybe there's some tenure stuff that, and there's legal stuff when when you become a tenured associate professor or whatever, but I would argue that if this was a straight white man, he's not seeing a $900,000 job a year salary any further, and he's probably removed completely from Harvard. That's just a guess on my part, but um, Claudine Gay wants to play the victim card. And then, of course, the other Ivy League institutes are still trying to come out and defend her as a Yale professor is coming out and now accusing Bill Ackman of acting like a bully over his fierce crusade against Harvard University President Claudine Gay. Uh, The um, Yale professor... Um, he goes by the name of, uh, let me see here, it's Gonzalez, uh, Greg Gonzalez, associate professor at Yale's School of Public Health, wrote on X on Tuesday, it's time to stand up to people like him. He's oblivious, Gonzalez wrote, triggering a public spat with the billionaire from uh, Pershing Square Capital Management. That's the founder, Bill Ackman. And Ackman then defended himself, asking Gonzalez to clarify. And he says, quote, what did I say about Harvard President Claudine Gay that has anything to do with money other than elevating concerns about gay that were held by thousands of Harvard students? faculty and alumni what is so bad about my so-called influence on american education again this was about anti-semitism this was about plagiarism and this was about basically claudine gay willing to die on that hill uh so to speak when it came to not saying what everybody with a functional brain would say when asked about anti-semitism on campus with elise stefanik so She'll uh, she'll be just okay. You know, she's going to be a-okay. She'll be just fine. $900,000 a year to continue on after all of that. So we'll see how the rest of this plays out. I don't think anything's going to happen to the lady at MIT. I think she actually, maybe in the 23rd hour, came to her senses and reached out. And look, all this, all you got to do is kind of send out a, an email to the student body and admit your mistake. And you know, I think we're a pretty forgiving society. Like, okay, I got it wrong. Now, please educate me on why I got it wrong. And I think most people typically forgive you for that and are willing to move on. Of course, people are going to want to continue to get their pound of flesh, and they'll tell you when uh, you've you've had enough. But um, I think the MIT person will survive. 855-839-1210. We'll come back, work our way towards what's on the cut sheet. That's coming up at 745. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Hey, don't go through another year with that awful joint pain. Just call my friends at QC Kinetics. Call them now. Make 2024 the year you are back to living your normal life again. QC Kinetics can give you your life back. They're the nation's leader in regenerative medicine. And these are all natural treatments that can repair and restore your damaged tissue giving you pain-free movement again. QC Kinetics has tens of thousands of satisfied satisfied patients around the country. And, and right here, so many of you have said, have said, Dawn, I feel great again. My golf, you know, whether it's your golf, your tennis, playing around with the grandkids, going for that walk, 
you know, people who'd suffered with knee pain, back pain, shoulder pain, who were able to get lasting relief, no surgery, no drugs, no downtime. So if you're suffering in pain, maybe with a past injury or some pain associated with arthritis, just check this out. The future of medicine, it's here. Regenerative treatments, thanks to QC Kinetics. Make the call now so you get the most out of 2024 and get back to doing what you love. Don't forget, you can use your HSA as well as your FSA funds. So call QC Kinetics, get that free consultation, 215-999-3000, 215-999-3000. QC Kinetics, call them, 215-999-3000. Tell Dawn sent you. Healing Company Mornings. Rich Seoli Afternoons. Free speech lives here. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Seven forty-two. Kelly Company. As we continue live here on a Thursday morning, Nick, Don, Anthony, and Phil. What's on the cut sheet coming up in just about two or three minutes? Our buddy Sean Farash at nine o'clock, and we figured out how to get the hot water to work in the uh, coffee area of the kitchen on our side of the building. Because apparently to get the hot water to come out, you have to hold the hot yeah, water button yeah. down while simultaneously yep. holding down the cold water button. Yeah, yeah. This, oh, it's annoying like everything else in this sense. building. Yeah, yes. hold the cold water and the, okay. <laughs> right. Both buttons simultaneously, kaboom, hot water. And then pat your head and your stomach at the same time. Right. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Always got to go around your butt to get to your elbow. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, third world country indeed. But uh, so we've got the cup. I've got the cup of tea in here, so I should be good, good. for the next two hours and fifteen minutes. But you I figured honey. Uh, no, I didn't go honey. I just went with uh, what you said, the lemon organic herbal tea. It's like it got a little ginger. It's got a little ginger to it. Yeah, a little bit of a little, um, a little bit of uh, what we call that, like a little spice, a little bite to it. I think it's good for you. It is good for you. For your th- throat clear yeah. everything i feel better now I'm ready to roll first hour and 40 sucked but now we'll get it going <laughs> all right so still ahead before we get to the uh, after the cut sheet actually sean farage uh coming up at nine o'clock um dan crenshaw republican from texas completely eviscerates jesse waters um we're gonna go through this i've never seen anything like this between a conservative media member and a conservative politician uh, Jesse Waters made reference to Dan Crenshaw in one of his monologues, and Crenshaw, the Republican from Texas, went to social media and completely nuked Jesse Waters. Uh, we will get to that coming up a little bit later. Also, Joe Biden is going to go into dark Brandon mode as he's going to play up a lot of historical negatives with our country uh, as he ramps up his 2024 campaign because, well, he doesn't have any positives to tout. He doesn't have hardly any successes. And he's not trending in uh, the polls in any favorable light with really any demo or group. So what do you do? You drum up the historical past of this country. I don't know that it will work, but that's going to be in the Biden wheelhouse uh, starting this Friday. So we'll give you those details as we continue this morning. But right on time, 745. Let's get to an Anthony Dorenzo installment of What's on the Cut Sheet. 
What's on the cut sheet on this Thursday is brought to you by Cherry Hill Volvo. Now is a great time because they need to clear their lot. They are undergoing a state-of-the-art renovation, and then you make some room for their construction vehicles. So get on over there. Take advantage of the incredible sale options, leases as well. Uh, just visit Cherry Hill Volvo today. Uh, we're going to start here. Pat McAfee, Jimmy Kimmel, stole pretty much the entire news cycle this week, and that continues to be a story. Pat McAfee, though, uh, you know, this may have come from uh, the powers that be at the top, but he wanted to clarify some things uh, legally and, and kind of acknowledge how serious the comments were. This was Pat yesterday on his program. This is cut one. Go. Whatever you're free wheeling and dealing in here, mm-hmm. you know, and you're sure. having conversations. Let it fly. They can, they can certainly lead to some places that cause like international news and things mm-hmm. like that. And whenever there's accusations made about people, that can lead to lawsuits. Now, let's have been in one before yes. with uh, Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. Now, how'd that case end? Well, it ended with me having to read a letter uh, basically stating that I know nothing uh, that anybody would kind of just roll with mm-hmm. the punches. We're able to have a good time. We're all rather invested and studied in what's happening around the sports world at all times. Caitlin Clark last night. Oh, sure. hell yeah. Unreal. Wait till you hear about Luke Littler today. Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, so we're very much in that world. So everybody that comes on this stage has to be able to, like, basically keep up with where we're headed. There's no form. There, there's no formal outline of what we're going to talk about, how we're going to talk about it. There's no A block, B block. C block. There's no scheduled conversations. There's no scheduled debates. There's no topics for you to think about before you get in there. There is just an opportunity to talk about damn near everything for three and a half hours. And in doing so, the upside of that is some magic can come that you never knew was going to come. Absolutely. Good times can be had. Laughs sure. can be had. Especially when you're rolling on like two hours of sleep like we were yesterday yeah. after the Rose Bowl. You can have a blast. And on the flip side, there could be some can then become something that is obviously a very serious. All right. Uh, obviously, we didn't screen the. the oh, my God. Sorry. Uh, anyway. So, uh, Pat McAfee, do we have the actual apology at the end or do we not want to air that in case of another? Um, yeah, we need to. Um, <clears throat> he was saying shoot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shoot. Oh, darn. So do, we, do we have the part where he actually gets to the long winded apology or? <laughs> Hold on, I'm sorry. I yeah. I thought the file was ready. But... Yeah, come on, boys. Uh, so but... you had talked about this yesterday, Nick. Yeah, and so, go ahead, Don. No, I was just going to tee that up. Yeah, because Pat McAfee had Aaron Rodgers on, and Rodgers made the um, kind of in passing comment that when the Epstein stuff comes out, uh, Jimmy Kimmel should be a little worried. To which Jimmy Kimmel got wind of that and fired back on social media saying. Hey, if you keep bringing this up and putting my name attached to the Epstein stuff, we will hash out these facts in a court of law, basically saying you don't have the right to, you know, defame me or, you know, throw any, you know, accusations out there. I have nothing to do with Jeffrey Epstein, to which I'm sure, because I said this yesterday, the Pat McAfee show airs on ESPN. Jimmy Kimmel's show airs on ABC. They are owned simultaneously by Disney. So you know that they probably viewed this as, you know, Disney on Disney crime. And Pat McAfee 
is a guy who you just heard right there. Like they don't go into the show with a script. You know, they're not planning things out. He's not doing a big take or anything like that. And they were just spitballing. And you can, I, I would take it to the bank, having worked for an ESPN radio affiliate and having worked in sports where the brand managers are always on eggshells as to what a host might say at any given moment, mm-hmm. um, that they were probably like, hey, you need to retract that, you need to apologize, and you need to clear this up because you can't be just saying that Jimmy Kimmel's linked to yes. X, Y, and Z if you have no knowledge of that. Yeah, and unfortunately, if only he could clean up the apology because he has, says the S, you know, <clears throat> the S word in the apology. But ultim- ultimately, you know, what he's saying is this was all sarcastic. And the problem with this soundbite age and the Twitter X age is that things get taken out of context. Yeah. And so ultimately, I think that's what he's saying here that, you know, he he believed, McAfee believed Aaron Rodgers was just trying to basically bust the chops of Jimmy Kimmel. Mm-hmm. But because we're in this age where it's a tiny clip here, a tiny clip there, Jimmy Kimmel felt like he had to react. to. So ultimately, they're reacting to something that's not even real or legit. That's correct. And, you know, ESPN is trying to get away or to some extent and, and ditch the, um, the image that they are very, very progressive and left wing, which they are. It's not an image. It's a reality. It's a fact of life. So they, they hired Pat McAfee because he's, now again, I don't know if McAfee's a conservative, but he's certainly not a liberal, he's certainly not progressive, and he's not woke. And he's had on Aaron Rodgers because they have a relationship. And Aaron Rodgers has been vilified by the media for not getting the COVID-19 vaccine. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers is labeled a right-winger. Aaron Rodgers is born in the Bay Area. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is a conservative but he's a guy that's talked about free speech. He's talked about his right not to take the COVID shot. And he's also a guy that has publicly endorsed RFK Jr. So, you know, the mainstream media hates him. I, I'd be just willing to bet that the suits at ESPN are sitting there behind closed doors saying, man, this, this McAfee Rogers thing. I mean, th- th- these guys are, we're, we're, we're in the uh, headlines every week or every other week for reasons that we probably don't want to be, even though mm-hmm. on shows like, ours you know we talk yeah. about this stuff so it's not foreign for us but for espn it's kind of cringe i don't yeah. know i think they want the ratings though i think that's why they let him do things like until, that until and they get blowback. back no until it, they lose advertisers it's disney I, I i i disagree anthony with the with the contra i think anthony's right of course they want the headlines and but i think that they they are very corporate mm-hmm. very you know they don't want this kind of controversy and that's why he had to come out, and he had to yeah. apologize. Well, that's why he immediately said mm-hmm. something, too, when it happened. So. Well, because they made him. They called yeah. him in. Yeah. They called his agent, and they said, dude, you got to walk that back mm-hmm. because we don't. And he even says in the apology something like, you know, we, we hate to be part of something negative. Yeah. And that's what, oh, oh, negativity. We, we want to be in the headlines, but not negative. Right. They want to have their cake, and like it's like you can't have it both ways. Well, they've even admitted they want to sell ESPN and ABC. I think for these reasons, yep. so they're yep. I think they're waiting for that day to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless, let's move on here. This will be cut two, Phil. Uh, we obviously have talked about Claudine Gay a lot, and uh, this was kind of a little bit of a montage here showing how Claudine Gay was defended over and over again by the mainstream media. This is cut two, Phil. Go. There is this sort of open war on. Black progress, black history. Um, Claudine Gay, the president uh, of Harvard University, at least up until she resigned, 
um, is now the latest casualty of that. There very much is a racial uh, component. I don't think it's fair to say all of her critics were racist, but certainly a few of them were. It looks as though she was targeted. The fact that she's a black woman and the first person uh, who is a, a black American to lead Harvard uh, only added to their thirst to dethrone her. Yeah, that, it's a bunch of crap. Again, as I said about 10 minutes ago, this has nothing to do with race because Liz McGill, white lady from the University of Penn, also had to step aside from her role. This has nothing to do with race. This has everything to do about anti-Semitism and also what is protected under free speech, what is condoned uh, on college campuses with the First Amendment when it comes to what you can or cannot say, and calling for the genocide and the eradication of an entire group of people, I'm sorry, to me, in my world, that should not be permitted, and you had ample opportunities to walk it back. She could have did what Pat McAfee did and walked it back, but Claudine Gay did not do that. So she happens to be a black woman, but it's not because she's a black woman. Yeah, agreed. I, and I think, I don't know, I think everybody agrees. I think most people, you just know that that's absurd, but that's all they have. Once again, to say, oh, this is somehow racist or what have you. And but really, you know what it also is? It's a judgment call and it's a judgment it's a lack of judgment and it's it's multifactorial here it's her lack of judgment on the anti-semitism situation i mean she was i mean how long was this going on october 7th till when she testified before elise stefanik it was a matter of days if not weeks so you read the room you understand the temperature of the situation she failed to understand that so poor judgment on her part But then again, when you see the plagiarism accusations come out and then the proof, she has a history of poor judgment because she is taking other people's thoughts, ideas and words and using them as her own and not properly citing them. That's also a lack of judgment. So I think from top to bottom, her ability to assess the situation, make the right decision and move forward with it has been in question probably for 25 or 30 years. She probably has a history of this, and it all comes to surface now. Well, in the whole plagiarism thing, it seems like they only really cared when it was uh, someone that wasn't on the left. Like I, again, like we were talking about Epstein earlier, it seems like if this was someone who was right wing, that uh, plagiarism would have been a much bigger deal than it seemed like they made it out to be right. originally. And I, I love how somebody else came out in the media, or maybe it was an Ivy League person. Well, let's start looking at all the uh, proper citations of conservatives. Okay, let's do that. That's fine by me. I mean, I'm sure there are people that have plagiarized across the board, across the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. But it's that, like, whataboutism. We're not talking about everybody else right now. We're talking about Claudine Gay. Don't don't deflect and try to pivot out of it. Own up to your mistake. Exactly. And kind of going off that, uh, we're going to go to cup five here. Uh, this is Vivek, who continues, like you said, he's been a rock star on social media ever since this uh, Trump Colorado thing, it seems like. Uh, but he continues to kind of go at the media's hard as he can. He was on with NBC. This was an NBC exclusive. Uh, he expanded on the straw man argument about white supremacy. This is Cup 5. Go. Let's talk about what, uh, white supremacy and what happened last night for a moment, because when you were talking to reporters last night, you called white supremacy a myth. When someone asked you about Dylan Roof, you said you didn't know who that is. Have you looked up what happened in 2015? Yeah. 
Yeah, look, I, I've said I've, I said this last night. Invidious racial discrimination is wrong no matter how it happens. But if a Washington Post reporter is asking me almost like a catechism, whatever question I said, I'm against invidious racial discrimination, whatever form it takes, but says, do you denounce white supremacy? It's incumbent on us for us to define what white supremacy is. I wrote my book, Woke Inc., and I've written about the detailed understanding of what the popular understanding of these terms have come to mean. Do you believe punctuality is a vestige of white supremacy, Dasha? Look, because if you don't, then you have a disagreement about many of the people who are defining those terms or the written word or the use or the nuclear family. This is these aren't my words. These are the words of intellectual proponents from Ibram Kendi to the Ayanna Presley's to BLM that have said these are vestiges Look, of white supremacy. So Mr. we can't Ramos, have it both ways. Do, we have to have you an choose, honest you discussion. You straw man arguments not, last this is not night. A straw man. You brought, you brought up Jesse Smollett as the, oh, the best Jesse example Smollett of white supremacy. was the supremacy. hottest thing in news in the back of a fake yes. actual attack on him that we have to contend with. And, this is and actually, yet, and yet, you have examples the like the Buffalo shooter in New York just in 2022. But you are also cherry picking when you bring up. So I'll look, I'll look at all of the statistics. More black-on-black black crime. If you really care about actual crime against black Americans, let's get to the root causes of it in the inner cities of this look, country. The Anti-Defamation League tracked a 38% increase in white supremacist propaganda last who's, who's year. Who's tracking that? The Anti-Defamation League. Yeah, the ADL, I don't think is a particularly credible source. So when who they are have we supposed to look to when we're talking about I would suggest. This. I would suggest, look at the, there's a table, two-by-two two table. Federal law enforcement data, which you could say what you do. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't believe that either. But okay. look at black the on FBI crime, black on black crimes, crime, the FBI hate crime, crime statistics. That's a, a law enforcement agency. Uh, 59.1% was based itself. on race, ethnicity, I look at absolute and violence. ancestry, saying hate crimes rose 12% between 2020 and 2021. Look at the absolute crimes themselves. What they classify as a hate crime is itself a political judgment. I think that when you actually care about protecting life, if you want to say black lives matter, let's look at where black lives are actually being lost. It's in the cities, at the heart of other look, black Americans and criminals. And this, that's and absolutely by the issue that we talk about as well. But are we supposed we to be. ignore white supremacist hate crimes? We're not supposed to ignore any kind of crime, Dasha. That's what I say. But what I see is a selective reporting. Take the Nashville Transgender Shooter Manifesto. Every shooter manifesto in a mass shooting has been released within 48 hours, except for that one shooter in Nashville. Now, it ended up being leaked. What do you see? It wasn't a, it wasn't a white supremacist. It was somebody that was actually making fun of using derogatory terms. I okay, believe so why are you okay talking about that, that manifesto rest, and not talking about the manifesto okay. from I'm okay talking the about 2015? Both. I'm more than okay talking about both. But what I'm asking is, why is the mainstream media suppressed that one? Why did the police suppress that one? I thought he handled that really, really well. Yeah. And I, I think you had said there, was that Dasha Burns? Yeah, yeah. And she wouldn't let him finish? That, that whole setting. Shocker. That, that's, that's, go ahead, Dawn. No, it, it's just, it's. here's the thing. These these interviews on television, you can edit them. Was that live? Because I'm not sure. Was it I think that was pre-taped, yeah. Because I believe it was pre-taped. Okay. Yeah. So what's the point? Other than you're trying to appease your liberal base, right, right to right. interrupt the vague. So just shut your trap. Let the man finish his point. Mm-hmm. If you want to edit it later, right. edit it down for air, but then say the you can find the entire interview unedited. Mm-hmm. And by the way, if I'm the Vivek, I have to ask, uh, we have to ask Kathy about this. If they, any candidate like this, a Republican you should always, always, always record when you're walking in. Absolutely. So that because, so you could post the full version yep. of it for context. 
And that's what the network should do. But yep. she wants to look smart and sassy in front of her liberal audience. Yeah, and what's up with the person next to her? It was like a, like a, like a dual fact checker sitting there with exactly. her little, she like an intern, her yeah. little notepad. <laughs> well, they like, have a staff and she has somebody in her yeah. earpiece. They have a control room full of people. And that's exactly what that is. It's not your job yeah. to fact check him in real time. Let the man answer. And then even the follow up could have been, well, couldn't, Two things. In other words, he's saying the ADL, he doesn't necessarily believe in all of their stats. Right. I quite frankly believe that two things can be true at once. Mm -hmm. In other words, sometimes when they say hate crimes have risen and they're looking at those percentages, that does not refute what law enforcement is talking about. So I think two things can be true at once. I'll push back on Vivek a little bit on that. Mm -hmm. But I think what he was talking about was zooming out, looking at the big picture if we look at here in Philadelphia, most of most of these crimes that every morning I'm starting out with, tragically, at six o'clock in the morning, right? The va- including this morning, by the way. Yep. Um, both of those offenders that I reported on this morning are African American mm-hmm. young men. One from I think originally Ohio. Yeah. And this these were the Delco Delco stabbings. The other one from Philadelphia. Both African American offenders. Yeah. Well, and this, and this is what the mainstream media always does. They they don't want to talk about uh, Black Lives Matter only when it fits the certain narrative of white person and black victim. Then it's an issue. When it's black on black crime, it's just on the back burner. Uh, it hardly ever gets mentioned. It is what it is. Well, that's the way it is in urban cities. And of course, also they want to talk about white supremacy and other hate crimes. Yet for three months now, since October the seventh. They have almost tried to minimize the rise in hate crimes against uh, against Jewish people. So they selectively pick and choose which hate crimes get the coverage and draw the salacious appeal because they want to continue to drive home this white supremacy racism narrative. Mm-hmm. And I've said this for for years and years and years, and for the entire existence of this show, I think the demand for racism from mainstream media far out exceeds the supply. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've said that for a long time. doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It certainly does. Yeah. And it's awful. But to the levels that they talk about, like every white person, I'm like, stop. Enough. Yeah. Well, and as far as Dylan Roof, so apparently they asked Vivek about Dylan Roof and he didn't off the top of his head recognize that name. Yeah. Right. That's what happened. Yep. I'll tell you, I mean, I think, I think my husband had, uh, this was 2015. So think about how long ago this was. I mean, we we cover this stuff. If you said Dylan Roof right off the top of your head, I would have said, okay, he was the Charleston killer. That's how he was known in the headlines. And so, uh, you, you know, this is one of those, uh, remember the que- MSNBC, Aleppo. You don't know where Aleppo is. It's one of those moments where they're, it's like their aha moment. Mm-hmm. Instead of Ask if you if you're asking a question about something that happened about nine ten years ago, give the person who's running for office who's going through many issues in their lives if it's something that long ago, just say something to the effect of Dylan Roof, you know, the mass murderer neo Nazi racist who walked into a Charleston South Carolina church, right. opened fire on black African American parishioners who, by the way, later forgave him because he asked for forgiveness. He's on death row in Virginia. But, like, they didn't do that because, again, 
it's all about the aha moment. Uh-huh. Oh, he didn't know yeah. who Dylan Roof is. He must be a racist. It, yeah. That's mm-hmm. absurd. You, you talk about um, we, you know, Claudine Gay saying that she fell into the trap that was laid. That was a trap that NBC was trying to lay there on yes. Vivek. Yes. And, and a great thing that Vivek could have said is, you know what? I try not to say, and I think some media even tries not to say the, the racist killer's name, mm-hmm. but rather we, can you as the anchor, you know, turn that around on Dasha and say, Dasha, can you name any one of those innocent victims gone down in that Charleston church? Maybe you ought to go back mm-hmm. and interview some of these individuals. You know, turn it back around on the media. And also, Dasha, how many times have you covered all of the black-on-black crime that's happening in great cities like Chicago, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, Miami, New York City? Yeah. Is, isn't the media complicit at racist in the fact that you'll cover a white kid in the burbs, you'll cover them all day. Some white girl's missing right. out in Utah. You're going to cover that all day and, long. Mm-hmm, yep. And by the way, too, I don't know if I, maybe I haven't seen much of Dasha Burns, but did she change her hair? What was up with like the slicked back look? She had like a, like a Bridget Nielsen look going on. <laughs> Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> I thought that was Bridget Nielsen from Rocky Four with Drago. <laughs> if we could get a still shot of her up there. Phil, Phil, if you could give me a still shot of, uh, Dasha Burns. And then if we could find a picture of Bridget Nielsen on Google, that would be great. You cracked me up. Oh my God. I don't know. Is that her normal look? I I I was like taken aback by it. It was like a short haircut with like brushed back. Like uh, I don't know if she had like like hair gel in it or whatever. But I'm not I'm not even saying it was a bad look. I, I kind of dig it to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. When you go to the, here's the thing. I will say when I was at CBS Network, they have you know hair and makeup for whatever reason they want to cut your hair short. Is that real? I've always worn my hair long. They want to do what they did to her. They want to butchy like. Sh- Cut it short. Yeah, right there it is on it YouTube. Back. If you can, if we have it up again. You what see is it? up with that? Is that her normal look, or my? Maybe I don't just consume her content enough to. It's what hair and makeup. That you know, they just cut. They want to cut your hair off. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what that is, but look at. And the girl next to her is real miserable looking, isn't she? I don't know. Jeez. But she, uh, Dasha Burns. This is the NBC News correspondent that you're talking about. She grew up in. Um, she grew up in California. Went to Berkeley. Oh. Just giving you a little background. West Coast elitist. So, you know, she did opinion pieces for CNN. We we can imagine where her politics mm. falls. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So I just don't like, I don't like when somebody is interrupting, especially a presidential candidate or whoever. Yeah. Just let the person finish. Right. What's the point of having on people from the, quote, other side of the aisle if you're just going to hijack the interview the whole time? Exactly. If honestly, if you think about it, this this started with Caitlin Collins with Trump. Yeah. When she was hit, when she had the earpiece in, she was being fed all the fact checking information, mm-hmm. and since then, it's been a nonstop um, avalanche assault against every conservative on a mainstream platform for the most part, except for Chris Christie. He's the only guy that doesn't seem to get um, you know ambushed all the time because well, he's on there to rip Trump anyway, so they're just going to let him Bingo. go. Yep. That, that that you nailed it. Yep. As well, long as somebody is gonna is going to be an anti-Trumper, yep. they can talk all day long. Yep. Well, speaking of that, uh, Ron DeSantis continues to try to find ways to stay relevant, and he's been on the campaign trail talking about Trump and Obama and came comparing them a bit when it comes to migration. This is cut nine. Uh, go ahead. 
And, you know, Donald Trump is running saying he's going to do the largest deportation in history, uh, which is interesting because I was at his rallies in 2016 where he said the exact same thing. And what was the result? Fewer deportations than the first term of Barack Obama. That is not getting the job done. So when he said it before and didn't do it, uh, I would say if he's saying it again, what makes you think somehow he's going to get it done the second time around? Anytime I've put the nose to the grindstone, we've got it done. I understand how important it is. So he's trying to claim that Obama had more people deported than Trump. That's true. Okay, but now... (laughs) Are we talking about two terms of Obama or Uh one? Because Obama was in office for eight years, so it's not a fair apples-to-apples mathematical comparison, correct? The funny thing about Obama, and we, so in Pennsylvania, we didn't even know that there was a facility, remember this, Anthony, remember this, Nick, in, um, I want to say Lehigh, and it was a facility where where illegal folks were being held behind bars. Yeah, I do remember that. And I it blew me away when that came out mm-hmm. because during the Trump administration, because remember the whole thing they showed video of children in cages. Yep. And then they realized, oops, that wasn't during Trump. That right. was during Obama. Uh-huh. So Obama evolved on the issue. Initially, he made promises about the DACA kids. Obama initially said that he would open up immigration. As Obama studied it, he became bad A about it, mm-hmm. I will tell you. Yeah. And he, he clamped down with all, because he saw what we're seeing now. Well, it's so obvious. So they got tough. Yeah, it's undeniable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the visuals just show you what you're dealing with, which is why it's so frustrating today and for the last year and a half or two years when we talk about this and these record-setting numbers and uh we've get all the you know, you know the kareem john pierre's and the alejandro mayorkas's and they go up there and oh the border is secure the border is secure no it's not nobody with a, with two operating eyes the ability to do mathematics and a functioning brain would realize that the border is secure it's not it's yeah. wide open and 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 so to your point about obama for anybody listening and they voted for obama or they voted for trump the deal is that these presidents get they get highly classified briefings every day. Yep. There's no question in any of our minds, right, that Obama got briefings where they were saying, sir, we've got some very dangerous terrorists who are, you know, cro- the, the risk skyrockets. We're going to have another terrorist attack, et cetera, et cetera. And that's why Obama clamped down. Yep. And that's why Biden should. That's why, you know, that's why Trump wanted to, even though Trump was bashed for saying there were some bad hombres which is his way of saying there are some terrorists from all over the world of course there are more than 100 countries where they're coming across it's not an issue of of just people from south america they're coming across from everywhere i mean just Mm -hmm. think of the last set of numbers the last set of numbers for trump the number was seventy thousand. the last month for biden which was just last month in december three hundred and two thousand that's that's four and a quarter times the same number that Trump dealt with. I mean, it's night and day. It's so obvious. So, you know, what are you going to do? And that's why I'm, I'm glad. I'm, yesterday, uh, the GOP with the articles of impeachment for Alejandro Mayorkas. I can go after him. You've got, you've got congressional power. You hold the House. I mean, I don't know if anything will come of it, but mm-hmm. um, somebody's got to be held accountable for this. And it's not necessarily Mayorkas' fault. I mean, 
not like he's the be all end all and the gatekeeper, so to speak. You know, mm-hmm. it's well, it's he's Homeland him. Security, though. They yeah. got to. I mean, the Bucks yeah. got to stop someplace. Sure. Somebody's and ultimately, I I hope it stops with uh with Biden and and voters look at this, and then you look at California and other states that are providing free health care. For illegal folks. That's outrageous. Who by Mayorkas' own interview on, he was interviewed on CNN and MSNBC yesterday, where Mayorkas admits that, yep, uh, pretty much you've got three million people wandering around the country, at least, who are going to be wandering around for another six years because they're so backed up for them to go to court. So if you've been going through somebody like our friend Christine Flowers, who's an immigration attorney for legal asylum seekers, if you're in the line Think about that. You've been standing in line for years, or maybe your spouse has, and you've been doing everything legally and the right way. Why do you think why some people are saying, "No, I'm I'm done with this. I'm just I'm jumping in. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to wait and do things legally because this." Or maybe they will now that they think Republicans will win and. Right. White House back in 2024. Right. Well said. Well, going off that, uh, this will be cut 10. Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick expanded on the firsthand experience of the crisis at the border. This is cut 10. Go. Hey, everyone. Brian Fitzpatrick uh, coming to you from Eagle Pass, Texas, right on the U.S.-Mexico border. As you can see over my shoulder here, this is the Rio Grande River. Uh, that's Mexico right across the way there. Uh, Eagle Pass, as many of you know, uh, has been really ground zero of the, um, the immigration crisis that is ensuing uh, right now on our southern border, uh, which is worse now than it ever has been, by the way. Uh, quite frankly, uh, at any point in our history, certainly in my lifetime, across all administrations, um, it's a humanitarian crisis. Uh, you have women and children being trafficked by drug cartels and, and human traffickers. Uh, it's a counterintelligence threat. Uh, with Russian and Chinese nationals, amongst many other countries, being interdicted at the border, and those are the ones that we know about. Uh, it's a counterterrorism threat, with people on the terror watch list being interdicted. Uh, and moreover, it's a, a national security threat from the standpoint of the fentanyl that's coming in um, by the boatloads, killing entire generations of Americans, particularly our young people. Uh, nobody benefits from a lawless open border, and that is exactly what we have now. Make no mistake about it. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Uh, and we got a chance today to speak to um, ranchers, law enforcement officials, local judges, local sheriffs, um, as well as um, uh, our border uh, security apparatus, uh, the men and women of the Border Patrol, the CBP, the Coast Guard, what have you, um, who were able to brief us on what they see, what they live every single day. Um, so once we get this under control and we pass the bill HR2, uh, which is the Secure the Border Act, it would fix the problem. It would fix the problem. But moreover, uh, the administration does in fact have the tools they need to solve this problem. Uh, if they were to reinstate Remain in Mexico and catch and release, start enforcing Title Eight of the U.S. Code, particularly Section 1325 and 1326, illegal entry, which is a misdemeanor, illegal reentry, which is a felony, crimes that I prosecuted as a federal prosecutor, by the way, uh, we just got to get back to the rule of law because the United States of America is a nation of legal immigration. Uh, so many of our ancestors, our country was built uh, by immigrants, but by people that came in through the right way, um, and nobody benefits from this lawless system. He encapsulates that perfectly. And the thing that's so frustrating about Biden is Biden comes out, I think it was yesterday or two days ago, and says something to the effect where the administration says, well, it's going to take more money and more financial resources. I'm like, no, it's not. 
It's going to be talk, just enforcing the law. You heard him say right there, the rule of law. They have everything they need in place to do it. You just have to be willing to lay the law down and say enough is enough. And this administration just does not want to do that. But then they'll send the binder out there to spin it as if you know things are A-OK. And she takes all the bullets because, well, that's what the position tells her that she has to do. It's all a facade. Yeah. Well, I think that it's significant. It's a good look for um, Republicans to go down to. And today they're meeting with law enforcement officials at the, at the border at, at varying levels. So, you know, I, I think that they will bring back to D.C. a lot of firsthand knowledge and research. And when they question Mayorkas, hopefully they'll glean some information from him. But I think that... <laughs> You know, the damage is done. Oh, of course. How many terrorists and the, the list, we keep reporting it, it, it keeps going up. And the fact that they know of hundreds, if not thousands, but then those are the ones they know of. Yeah. That's the freaky part. Oh, and it's there's so many layers to this. It's, okay, there's some people that come in that you, you know of, but then you don't know where they end up going and where they're at and what they're doing. Are they working? Are they receiving some sort of benefits? free health care, not paying taxes, whatever it is. And if everybody down there below the southern border knows the border's wide open, to the point of terrorists and global threats from other countries on other continents, they all know that it's open. So that's that's the avenue, that's the path to take if you have any ill intentions and you have any ambitions of doing anything catastrophic to the United States, you don't need to fly across the Atlantic Ocean uh, or take a plane into you just come up through the southern border yeah. and then kaboom you're you're on your own and next thing you know you've got a terror threat here or an act of terror there and all of this or a majority of it is very very much preventable and that's what i fear when back to something you started the week talking about nikhail which was that that very dark prediction from katherine harridge the black swan event yeah yep and that's what I think she was referring to, that there's so much yeah. intelligence out there um, and concern at very high levels that these terrorists, they're now embedded there among us. And I'm I'm talking to local cops all the time and and they, you know, are a little bit freaked out about it as, as far as we have a situation where we're down. Think about it. We're down in the military by what, 47,000. We're mm-hmm. down in Philadelphia by police, just our Philadelphia police, by more than a 1,000. Across the nation, because of the defund the police movement, we're in a situation where we're hurting for law enforcement. A lot of our law enforcement who are ex- who are here are working very long shifts. Yep. So at the same time that you have sort of less, less numbers, lower numbers of those who protect and serve, at the same time you have a surge of very dangerous people who want to hurt us and hate us, yep. Americans, yep. all of us. Yeah, well, and, so. that, and that's the problem. Uh-huh. Uh, but moving, I know we were talking earlier about Disney and how Disney has gone too woke. They don't care oh, about uh, their products. The list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this will be cut 11. Uh, Disney has now given the hands of their franchise for the next film to Obiad Chinoy, a Pakistani feminist activist director, 
And uh, she'll be taking over for Star Wars CNN reported. This pa- is cut 11. Pa- Pakistani feminist activist? Yes. Oh, yeah. this will be a box office hit. <laughs> this is uh, from CNN cut 11. Go ahead. So the first woman and the first person of color to direct a Star Wars film. It's set to be released in 2026. You can say that the force is strong with this one. Here's Charmino Bechinoy. You know, I'm very thrilled about the project because I think um, what we are about to create is something very special. And we're in 2024 now. And I think uh, it's about time that we had a woman uh, come forward uh, to shape the story in a galaxy far, far away. So this is Disney? Oh, yeah. Disney owns Star Wars, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, then I guess Disney didn't lose yeah. enough money in 2023. <laughs> what did they lose? I said yesterday they lost $700 million in eight different uh, productions. I think seven of the mm-hmm. eight releases that they had in 2023 lost between seven and $800 million. This sounds like a box office smash. I, it's almost as if Disney wants to bankrupt everything they're doing right now. I've never seen any, and I'm not a big Star Wars fan, uh, so I can't really speak on, you know, the, the content of what Star Wars provides. I've never been a Star Wars fan. I've never been a Star Trek fan, so to speak. Um, but I can't imagine this being any good. I mean, are, are you a Star Wars person? I like Star Wars, yeah, but I would say I like it less and less lately with how Disney's run it. I mean, the, the latest movies weren't great. I like some of the series. You know, we talked about it on our podcast. I liked Andor a lot, but I see. I have no idea what you just said there. It's a, they do <laughs> they do no, series no. now. They have okay. Ahsoka. Yeah. They have Andor. They do all these things, and I mean, it is based still in what people like and what the base wants. But I feel like a lot of the time they're still not capturing what people want, and they even they own Marvel now. So all the superheroes, and even that, people are less and less interested. Yeah. Nobody's going to see those movies. Everything they touch, they ruin. Yeah, yeah. I love Star Wars. Why well, I always say I'm I'm a Padawan, you know, at PhD at Zioli. But I was I had the honor of being at one of the premieres because Larry was a host of Access Hollywood. So I met Carrie Fisher and uh-huh. Sharon Stone was there, and who else? I mean, just a who's who. Of, but it was really cool to see the red carpet and all the coverage that happened, the hoopla mm-hmm. um, that was going on with with um, that particular Star Wars release. Okay, even though George Lucas was was brilliant by getting all the rights to the toys, yep. the little goodies. Carrie Fisher, until the day she died, was so angry that he did that, oh, okay. that she couldn't get. So the Access Hollywood and kind of a little yeah. sarcastic thing gave out in a you know a bucket of like those little figurines. <laughs> and she was like, oh, good. Well, can I have this one for free since I don't have the, uh-huh. the likeness or naming rights? All right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Stalker has a few of those in his basement. Oh my gosh! To pay for Dylan's so uh, college, yeah, yeah, <laughs> still in their box. Yeah. Um, but we'll we'll wrap here. Okay. Um, RFK Jr., who continues to uh, steal some headlines, he talked about Trump and the ballot, and now that he's on the ballot in Utah, he's expanding on why he wants uh, the ballots and Trump to be on the ballot, and he wants to win fair and square. Uh, he spoke with Fox News. This is going to be cut fourteen. Go ahead. Oh, I'm going to I have 10 months to take 4.5 vote uh, percentage points from both 
other candidates. And we're very confident that I'm going to do that. Well, um, it's very interesting. You're on in Utah, as you say. I just want to ask you one news of the day question before I let you go about the Supreme Court uh, potentially taking up the issue of taking the former President Trump off the ballot in Colorado and in Maine, where there's also this effort. What do you think about those efforts to take the former president off the ballot based on an insurrection charge that he has not been charged with? I think it's wrong-headed. I think it's counterproductive. I, I'm not a fan of President Trump's. So that's why I'm running against him. But I don't want, and I'm confident that I'm going to beat him. But I don't want to beat him on a, a slanted playing field. I think the American people want to see a fair fight. They want debates. They want real democracy. They want to be able to choose their candidate, their president, not have a court choose it. And... As you point out, I've read the decision, and it makes no sense to me that you can deprive an American citizen of this right to run for president without ever charging him with, much less convicting him of insurrection. He's not even charged with it. That's right. Oh, you know, that seems to violate due process, and it makes us look like a banana republic. And by the way, I think it's going to hurt the people who are behind it, I think it, it turns Trump into a kind of, you know, that people know it's unfair. And it turns him into kind of, a, amplifies it, you know, him as a myth, mythological figure. I think it's very, very short-sighted, and it's just wrong. It's un-American. A lot of people saying it makes him a martyr. So if you're keeping track, now you have RFK Jr. saying this is absurd. He's running as an independent. You've had Gavin Newsom come out and say, we don't do this to candidates. We beat candidates at the ballot. Obviously, a ton of Republicans have come out and said that this is wrong. RFK Jr. does qualify for the first presidential ballot in Utah, by the way. Uh, Utah, the first state where his campaign submitted signatures and qualified for ballot access. That, according to campaign spokesperson Stephanie Spear, who expects Arizona may be next. But um, the only thing I would add to this is RFK Jr.'s got no chance, much like the rest of these people. But if you don't come out and say what is so obvious, because it is obvious, if Jack Smith and Merrick Garland haven't even charged you with insurrection in the federal case for January 6th, how are these states using these novice legal theories to try to use Section 3 or Article 3 of the 14th Amendment as an in like? Colorado just looks stupid. Maine looks stupid. Michigan tried. They got rejected. California faced pushback. Um, we haven't heard any news on any other states, but that doesn't mean they won't come forward in the next couple of days. So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and RFK Jr., so he just qualified for uh, U the Utah presidential ballot. Yep. And so he's getting you know on the ballot across the country. But, you know, I think... 1,000 signature requirement needed, by the way. Yeah, so... I think that the deal is with Kennedy. I always ask people to say, oh, I like RFK Jr. I just like him. Well, it's not a popularity contest. He seems like a nice enough guy. But what's his economic policy? Yeah. This is somebody who he says he wants to restore the middle class. But he's somebody who's really railing against uh, corporations, not wanting to work with corporations. I think he would get clobbered mm -hmm. again. You know, if if it were, you know, if you think about it, with Trump, with a debate between the two of them, yeah, 
uh, he gets clobbered on the economy issue. No question. And nobody seems to focus on that. If I were, if you were interviewing him, wouldn't you say, well, what are your, you know, the number one issue in every mm-hmm. poll, every survey, how would you fix this economy? Yeah. Yeah, we know where he stands on, you know, vaccines mm-hmm. and pharma. We know where he's talked about, you know, uh, you know, the housing market. Um, but, you know, the economy, crime, border, you know, inflation, like, you know, the, the kitchen table issues, the four or five things. I just I don't think he's ran a great campaign from the standpoint of making his stances and his takes known on the true issues that matter. And to, to, to be honest, I don't know that a lot of them really have. I mean, everybody's kind of carved out their own little individual niche, but it's, you know, I, I, we're, we're so caught up in, well, Christie's going after Trump and Vivek's going after Nikki. You know, a lot of this, if you think, if you just take a step back and remove any favoritism towards any one candidate that you may have, have they all addressed every single issue that matters to you, the American, that affects you day to day? And it's hard to say that they've all checked off every box adequately or efficiently enough like are you are you pleased with candidate x and his stance or her stance on abc one two three i don't know that every single person is going to check off all of those boxes but then again this is politics it's the show the whole bit so there you go all right 8 30 uh Drenzo, do we want to break and then do the big three or are we gonna okay we'll take a break we'll come back we'll get to dawn's big three and then at the top of the hour we have our buddy sean farage before then uh dan crenshaw republican from texas eviscerates philly guy jesse waters of fox news where do you hear these comments kale and company back after this Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company, 837. Welcome back in. Nick Dawn, Anthony, and Phil here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube, 855-839-1210. Our buddy Sean Farage. Trump impression is coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Also, we have our morning mystery movie clip. That is at 9.20, as well as what's on the cut sheet part due. Uh, before we get to Dawn's big three, uh, let's give it away uh, our second pair of tickets for um, Major League Wrestling. Right now, if you are caller 12... At 855-839-1210. Caller 12, 855-839-1210. You will get a pair of tickets to see a live taping of Major League Wrestling this Saturday, January 6th at the 2300 Arena in South Philadelphia. Final pair coming up at 920 as our prize for the Morning Mystery Movie Clip. If you don't win them today, you can get them and check out more information by visiting MLW2300.com. All right, we'll get to Dan Crenshaw and Jesse Waters coming up in just a few minutes. But right now, time for Dawn Stenzel's Big Three at 8. It's the Big Three at 8 on Kale and Company. Big Three at 8. I will begin with Biden coming here tomorrow ahead of what could be a major precipitation event. Some meteorologists are saying we could get three to six inches of snow over the weekend. So President Joe Biden to celebrate what Rich Theoli yesterday called the high holy day of all leftists and liberals, yes. January 6th. The day that they will never let go <laughs> of. Know, right. So uh, Joe Biden coming to Valley Forge tomorrow 
where and and obviously he's he's traveling right near Valley Forge, where uh, George Washington and the Continental Army spent a very bleak winter nearly 250 years ago. So maybe he'll kind of feel the pain they felt as far as the tough weather. But he will obviously use the opportunity to to pounce on his opponent, uh, former President Donald J. Trump. Yeah, you th- wants his job. You think Don- you think George Washington decided to move things up a day because of a couple of inches of snow 250 <laughs> years ago? Like try going through what uh, G- GW did, uh, you know, two and a half centuries ago, Joe. I mean, good God. Well put. And number two, I'll put the list because we are expecting out of this Epstein list, these documents, we're expecting maybe another dump of information today. But we have the newly unsealed Jeffrey Epstein documents revealing some big names. We don't have a lot of new details, but we have the names with more documents expected to be released in the coming days. Mm-hmm. So if you are just tuning in to Kill and Company, then we've been talking about obviously the Epstein list all day, all this morning. The New York financier who obviously was facing multiple sex trafficking charges before his alleged death by suicide in jail in 2019. Obviously, he ran in very elite circles, prominent figures, politicians. But this first batch of previously secret court documents was unsealed by a judge late yesterday and related to Epstein, the jet-setting financier, and who was on the jet, who was at his so-called pedophile island. So just to headline some of those names uh, we, we keep hearing the name over and over, former President Bill Clinton. Yes, we've heard the name of Donald J. Trump. We've heard the name of, oh, repeatedly, Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. New York, or excuse me, New Mexico Governor Bill Richards, former U.S. Senator George Mitchell, the owner of a large uh, hotel chain, and Glenn Dubin, the billionaire hedge fund manager. Even Al Gore's name is surfacing but again, we don't have the context for you know a lot of these, right? Because we know that he did rub shoulders with people in New York at big parties, etc. And some of the other names include Alan Dershowitz, who was mentioned 130 times, Michael Jackson, and David Copperfield, the he magician. Was, he was brought in to do magic tricks at dinner. Yes, sure. Now I haven't heard much of the name of Bill Gates in this batch. Have you? No. I have not heard Bill Gates. I know people were speculating on the Internet last night. Uh, people were saying Oprah. Somebody also threw out Chase Utley, for God's sake. Oh my, so yeah. I'm like, good Sorry. God. Can we can we at least have some semblance <laughs> of like vetting before we just start throwing out random? Look, and who knows? I mean, you know, maybe there is a former professional athlete on the list, but uh, that was not revealed in the 943 pages that were released by this judge. Yeah, so there are a bunch of different cases. This particular one that we've seen this document dump or, or the, you know, the, the files being released, it was a lawsuit filed back in 2015 by one of Epstein's young victims, who is one of dozens of victims. So all these different victims were filing different suits. And so in this one, it was settled out of court and then the judges sealed it and that's what you've talked about marsha blackburn senator blackburn she has repeatedly tried to say well why can't we have transparency why can't we see some of this mm-hmm. so we're so we have all of these different more than 70 victims some as young as uh, 12 years old that's when the grooming began so more cases more names set to drop maybe today so 
um, we're profiling that. No word of anybody f- who is a media mogul. So um, we'll, we'll look at that media figures. And speaking of media, mm-hmm. we have starting this year on January 1st, it's significant with, with Disney and what they're seeing because an early iteration of Mickey Mouse has now entered the public domain alongside Winnie the Pooh, Sherlock Holmes, and Robin Hood, signaling a potential legal action by companies like Disney or Warner Brothers and many new creations based on iconic characters. So this is, um, this is a release of information as of January 1st. Okay. And so, for example, um, Mickey Mouse that just became public domain at the start of, you know, as of January 1st, known as Steamboat Willie, this particular iteration of the character cannot speak, has a really long tail, does not have pupils, and is drawn in just black and white. Okay. And so, you know, the, things go into the public domain after so many years. That's the old school iteration of mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse, correct? Yes. Okay. All right. You're exactly right. So it's it started January 1st, and it's Disney's copyright rights for the earliest version mm-hmm. of Mickey Mouse expiring okay. in the United States. So could so then anybody can use it. Okay. So could you see Mickey Mouse being used? And so I'm sure that they're going to file all kinds of suits. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll ha- and Winnie the Pooh could they be used in I don't know nasty ways or sicko ways? Oh, I thought I just read something yeah. about Mickey Mouse in, in a new version where he's a, like a killer. It's like an evil dark version <laughs> yes. of Mickey Mouse. I, I'm pretty sure I oh, saw that. You could probably look it up if you want. I'm no to. evil guy. I'm yeah. not on Epstein's list at all. <laughs> Mickey's voice is the same as Buddy's. I only do one voice, uh, all right? That's fine. We like but, that. But uh, Peter Pan's Neverland Nightmare, Bambi is another one. Peter could... Pan's definitely been to Epstein Island. <laughs> I've always had my doubts about Peter Pan. Oh, my And goodness. SpongeBob SquarePants, to be honest. <laughs> Patrick. Mm-hmm. That is Kellen Company News Live. All right, Don. Thank you. Fridge. Thank you very much. 855-839-1210. Dorenzo's got all the uh, the engineers in the in the studio Uh-oh. now because he's been making a mess. Is your button's stuck? Yeah, his buttons are stuck. Uh-oh. I won't rat him out on the air, but he knows what he did. Uh, so let me get to this story. I have never seen anything like this. Um, I, I just want to share this because I think it's just a wild story. Um, usually it's conservative media going after a Democrat or mainstream media going after a conservative. But this was conservative on conservative crime from the media and entertainment ranks to the political ranks as Philadelphia's own Fox News host Jesse Waters is apparently in a big, big beef with Republican representative from Texas, Dan Crenshaw. Um, if you don't know who Dan Crenshaw is, he's the guy who has, I believe, the, the eye patch, right? He was injured uh, in conflict. Um, if you've never heard the name, maybe the visual will ring a bell. And he's the one who I talked about a few days ago, wants to strip um, universities of funding for requiring DEI statements upon your admissions process which I totally agree with. You know, DEI is a total facade. Speaking of DEI, by the way, just a side note, here in Philadelphia, uh, just yesterday, Leslie Morant is out as the Philadelphia Police Department's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer. I'm telling you, this is the year where you're going to see the gutting of DEI. From academia to corporate America to any other place, 
We gave you the numbers. Big Tech was doing it in 2023 on the low key. They slashed 44% of DEI job postings. Uh, November of 2023 was uh, a year-over-year 23% decline from 2022. So I think the whole thing is up with DEI, and I think by the next year or two that goes by, it's going to be completely Mm -hmm. eradicated. But anyway... Jesse Waters and Crenshaw got into a beef because apparently, now I didn't see this, but on Jesse Waters' show, he spent a segment on his primetime hour at 8 o'clock on Tuesday alleging that Washington lawmakers might be engaging in insider trading. I mean, I think we all kind of realize that a lot of these politicians do it. How do you go into politics with $42 in your bank account and then walk out 10 years later with $21 million? I think a lot of people assume there's shenanigans going on with the market. So, apparently, Waters, amongst the targets, which were both Democrat and Republican, by the way, one of those Republicans was not happy to be included on this list. And that was Dan Crenshaw, who eviscerated Waters in five different Instagram posts. And I'm going to clean this up. It's a good thing we don't have the audio because we would probably forget to dump it anyway. Uh, apparently Crenshaw calls Jesse Waters an effing clown, an effing hack, a dirtbag millionaire, and a mediocre entertainer. And that was all before he called him a loser who, quote, grew up with a silver spoon and, quote, cheated on his wife and then left her with twins while he went off with another Fox producer, end quote. The segment from Jesse Waters' primetime in question, which apparently you can watch um, if you've ever been to Mediate.com, they have the clip. Uh, and Crenshaw is not the entire focus of the segment by any stretch, but he is mentioned by name, appears on this chart. Crenshaw did not dispute the figures called uh, cited by Waters and did confirm that he has $10,000 invested in stocks but has not made any trades in, quote, over a year. He also said that while serving in Congress, he, quote, never had more than $20,000 invested, adding, quote, Fox knows this, but they're desperate for fake controversy to get clicks. Uh, He goes on to say, Instagram stories uh, a few posts later, uh, a couple of hours after the initial wave, he says, hey, Jesse Waters, You effing hack. If you're going to accuse me of literal corruption, get your facts straight and man up and come accuse me to my face. You're an effing clown desperate for clickbait. Waters is a tool making millions to push conspiracies on TV and bash veterans like me who are barely a fraction of his net worth. Wake up, America. The political entertainment industry is almost always lying to you. So that is that is very very strong. I've never read, seen, watched or heard something that strong between who I'm assuming Jesse Waters is a conservative uh and Dan Crenshaw who obviously is and you know it's pretty telling or pretty interesting when a politician is the one telling you that Television newscasters are almost always lying to you because I've always been of the belief that anytime a politician opens his mouth or her mouth, odds are there's a good chance that they're lying to you. But this guy, Dan Crenshaw, who we've talked about numerous times Mm -hmm. on this show, 
I mean, he just, I mean, that's an absolute evisceration. He's somebody, I mean, here's a, here's the problem for Jesse Waters. First of all, you don't want to be the story. Second of all, what Crenshaw said about Jesse's personal life is true. And do you really want that accentuated because that was kind of done with? Number three, Crenshaw is somebody who, you know, he served in Afghanistan. That's where he lost his eye. SEAL Team 3, if I recall correctly. This is this is a guy who's an American hero. And remember, he was the one who was, if you're not familiar with him, he's he was the one who was made famous because on, he appeared on Saturday Night Live. Oh, that's right. Remember? Yes. And then he... Now, I, when I say you, I'm not talking about Nick. I'm talking about you at home. you right. Yeah. Cren- no, in, in, wasn't there an issue with Crenshaw with the way the opening was done and then he apologized or somebody else had to apologize with how they... Did they mock him or they did a spoof? Yes. And so it was um, that that it was... Oh, my God. And I'm blanking on the comedian's name who dated Kim Kardashian. It was uh, Pete, Pete Davidson. Dave, yeah. Pete yeah. Davidson. I hate that guy. But it actually was a it was a good segment because Pete Davidson had made had ad libbed yeah. had made fun of Crenshaw with the eye patch right and then they invited Crenshaw on because there was such a backlash Davidson oh, yeah. was going to be fired <laughs> because the military was so furious and that's where I'm going here yeah, with yeah. Jesse yeah is that Crenshaw you know not he, within within the military community he, he's respected. And he's the real deal. And so with Pete Davidson, Pete Davidson apologized to him. He said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I meant no disrespect. It was a really nice little moment. Mm-hmm. And um, they shook hands. And Crenshaw was a really good sport and really came on to the national scene because a lot of people from Texas. Yeah. But Crenshaw, is, you know, I was taken aback. I mean, he's saying the F word. He's furious. Oh, of course. Well, he's, I mean, Jesse Waters is accusing him along with others of, you know, uh, insider trading. And and look, I think a lot of these politicians are guilty of it. I I, I don't have any proof, so I'm not going to name names specifically. But it is odd how some of these people are elected, make a hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year because yeah, they're allowed to i mean they've tightened up the laws now yeah but there's no crenshaw did not did nothing illegal yeah and these congress members have you know they're they know how to you know they again they've tightened up the laws about this well, it's, also, stuff, it's but, also not out of the ordinary to have ten thousand dollars invested in stocks it's not like he had a million dollars he doesn't have gold bars right. in his pocket <laughs> exactly i mean you know 10 grand you know 10 grand's 10 grand but you know that's not like a a high roller investment in the stock market that's you know a relatively an entry level of you know financial resources allocated to that sort of uh playing field so you know, I, I think Waters is probably a little but here's the thing. It's not like he was I you know, reporting it. I mean, this was this is an opinion based show and he's got him up there amongst others. Now, I guess he's probably out of line if he is trying if he see I this you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of what McAfee and Rogers are doing with Jimmy Kimmel with Epstein Island. Like, no. Oh, so you disagree? Nick, it's I disagree because ultimately what what Congressman Crenshaw, who's you know, 39 years young, served in the military honorably, what he's saying to Fox and to Jesse Waters is, don't you dare question my integrity. That's what they're doing. And and in this, you have a decorated, you know, bronze medal, you know, the, the awards go on and on, served at what, Afghanistan war. I mm-hmm. mean, 
and and look at him with the eye patch. I mean, somebody who served honorably and thank God came home, but is is you know has a disability because of his service. Yeah, and ten grand, which is Jesse Waters' watch, cost more than ten grand. It's funny you say that because Crenshaw was not done to roasting mm. him. He says, "I'm sitting." He posts on Instagram. I'm sitting here trying to feed my three-month-old, and this dirtbag millionaire at Fox is accusing me of being yeah. a criminal with zero evidence. Stop letting wealthy elitists like Jesse Waters claim to be fighting for you. They live in Manhattan, and they can't stand normal people who live in red states. They think you're stupid and feed you BS. I had to clean that up to rile you up. So This is not a good look for Fox. They want to clean this up, and Fox wants to clean up clean up in aisle five because they don't want now social media to take over Yeah. because ultimately whose side do you take? And I think for, for Crenshaw, you know, I think that the military community is going to back Crenshaw. I also think that the average person is going to back him and Jesse waters does not want to become the story and the, all of his, uh, you know, some, you know, kind of na- a nasty divorce and this and yeah. that, he doesn't want any of that stuff coming out. He goes on to say in the fourth post, he, he didn't stop. Losers like Waters grew up with a silver spoon. His family is made up of well-connected journalists and politicians. And for some reason, people are fooled into believing he's some genuine blue-collar conservative. Yeah, he's such a conservative. He cheated on his wife and then left her twins while he went off with another Fox producer. Oh, and by the way, in the fifth and final post, he says, quote, And let's be honest, Jesse Waters seems like the type of dude who pees sitting down. Oh, man. Ouch. <laughs> wow. Crenshaw I just... Do a... any of you want to confess to um, sitting down? I haven't done that in a very, very long time. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. And we'll get to our buddy Sean Farage on the other side. You can ask him if he sits down. <laughs> yes. Kelly Company, we'll find out if uh, the Captain Deplorable takes a seat when he goes number one. We'll do that on the other side. Some fun in the final hour. Kelly Company, Nick, Dawn, Anthony, and Phil. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app. Welcome back in, fourth and final hour on this Thursday morning, Nick Kale, Don Stenzel, and Anthony Dorenzo, Phil Omquist with you as we head till 10 o'clock this morning. Morning mystery movie clip coming up in just about 15 minutes. We also have What's on the Cut Sheet Part Due that will also include... Joe Biden's first 2024 presidential ad, first campaign ad, has been released, um, and we will play that for you coming up in just about a half hour. But right now, it is time to welcome in the 45th and hopefully 47th (laughs) president of the United States of America, the great Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, good morning. How are you, sir? Well, we're doing very well. Kale and company, happy to see you back on the radio. You know, you took more time off than crooked Joe Biden. I can tell you that. It was incredible. But uh, I heard there were very talented people who held it down last week. Yeah, I heard. uh, But but we missed you. We did. We absolutely missed you. You know, one of the greatest shows in the history of the world, Kale and company on 1210 WPHD. You do a tremendous job. Everybody does a tremendous job. Uh, but it's great to be here, and it's great to be giving you that much-needed ratings boost. You know, you came back. People didn't know what to do. 
So now we're going to do the boost. You know, everybody watch that when the president comes on. CNN loves when I do this. MSNBC loves when I do this. Uh, uh, it's a pleasure to do it for people I like to call my friends instead of the enemy of the people. Yes, thank you very much. Now, Mr. President, I have to ask you, because we were just speaking about Representative Dan Crenshaw, Republican from Texas, uh, as he is going back and forth with Jesse Waters over what Jesse Waters claims is Dan Crenshaw, amongst other Republicans, Republicans and Democrats uh, accusing them of insider trading. Dan Crenshaw went on an Instagram tirade of five different posts, and he also wrapped up his uh, verbal assault on Jesse Waters by accusing him of being the kind of guy who looks like he takes a seat when he goes to the bathroom and does number one. So I have to ask you, Mr. President, as the esteemed journalist of this program, Mr. President, have you ever peed while sitting down? Well, I've never done that. You know, it's uh, first of all, it would be very hard for me to do that, you know, for logistical reasons. But number two, uh, I heard you say you haven't done it in a long time. I heard you say that. And I'm curious as to why you did that at all. But I can tell you something. <laughs> little kid, uh, little kid, little kid. I can. OK, that's you know what? That, that checks out. Story checks out. Good thing you said that because people had questions, you know, uh, but. I'm looking at it, and, you know, there's a lot of people who do it. Lindsey Graham does it. Uh, <laughs> people like uh, Chris Christie does it, and that's because he has a hard time standing, you know, that it's uh, very hard on his joints, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, but there are a lot of people who still do that. Lindsey Graham does it, and uh, other weak-kneed people, they sit when they pee. You know, it's terrible. Uh, but these people are people that want to... Talk tough. They think they're tough guys. Jeb Bush does it. I think the Sanctus might even do it. The Sanctus, he might do it. It's hard for him to do it with the boots, too. It's very difficult for him to do that. But uh, apparently he does that. It's what I've heard. This is things that I've heard. Uh, but a lot of people, John Kasich, he does it. Uh, you know, these are terrible. Mitch McConnell, again. Uh, and these are weak people, and that's why they do that. Donald Trump joining us here on Kale and Company, as he does usually on a monthly basis, his first appearance of 2024. So, Mr. President, we have ballot disasters everywhere we look. Colorado and Maine, we've read about Michigan and what they attempted to do. Uh, California, Gavin Newsom comes out and says that's not the way we do it. We beat people at the ballots. Do these states that say they are protecting democracy not realize that they are destroying it as the true threats to democracy that they are by trying to have you taken off of these ballots? Well, they're rigging the election. You know, you looked at the view and I call the view uh, the gas giants. You know, they look like Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune and Uranus, specifically <laughs> Uranus. OK, but when you look at the view, they didn't understand how that's the same thing as rigging. You know, you have two choices and possibly more than that. But you have Crooked Joe that you have the most handsome president in the history of the world. If you take me off the ballot, you're only giving people one choice. That's called rigging. And that's not democracy, is it? No, it's not. It's called rigging. And it's something that would make Joseph Stalin very proud. It would make Castro proud. You understand that? They would be looking at it and say, what a fantastic job the Biden regime is doing. These are terrible people. And so when you take people off the ballot and you rig, that's called rigging. You're not saving democracy. You're killing it. You're killing democracy. And I don't like Newsom. I don't think he's a good guy. Uh, I don't even think he has, quite frankly, hair that's even worth talking about. But he said the right thing. 
beat him at the ballot box. The only difference that the Democrats, what he was saying, because they never tell the truth, they don't beat us at the ballot box. They beat us with ballot drop boxes. But I think I know what we're talking about. These people are horrible. And we're going to wind up on all the ballots. And the ironic thing about it is Chris Christie is failing to get the amount of signatures to appear on Maine's primary ballot. So I'm going to be on the ballot. He's not going to be on the ballot. And it's quite frankly possible that he ate the signatures, but we're not sure. And we're looking into it. <laughs> Donald Trump joining us here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. President Trump, uh, Claudine Gay is now playing the victim card uh, after her ouster from the University of Harvard. How predictable is this? And is it time that we once and for all abolish all of these DEI initiatives that have kind of overtaken every institution in America? Absolutely. You know, you look at Claudine Gay and, you know, who was in her corner lobbying for her was Barack Hussein Obama. And Claudine Gay, you know, you look at her, she looks like Steve Urkel. You know that? She looks just like Urkel. She does. And it's incredible. She was calling for the genocide of Jewish people. She said that doing that is something that does not violate Harvard's code of conduct. It's disgust. It's disgusting what you're looking at. But diversity, equity, and inclusion, these are all decent things. You know, you look at that. I have my own version of DEI. I call it dominate energy and intelligence. <laughs> and those are things that, these are things that are uh, very much unique to people like me, myself, Particularly, I'm a dominant person. I have a lot of energy and I'm incredibly intelligent. And so that uh, DEI initiative on my end is going to work out very well. We're going to win, but we have to end it. It's actually a code word for critical race theory. And these are terrible things that you're seeing happening. They're teaching the children to hate each other. They're teaching people to hate our country. And I'm happy to see Claudine is out. Claudine, she's out. Urkel is no longer the president of Harvard, but she's still making $900,000 a year. You believe that? That's a lot of money. That's a lot. Uh, and hopefully they can fix that, too, because she deserves to go broke. You go woke, you go broke. Yes. Everything woke turns to sugar, honey, iced tea. We've talked about it. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Mr. President, December was a historic mess at our southern border. Over 302,000 illegal entries. Assuming you win re-election a year from now, how quickly can you finish the wall in your second term and get these numbers back down to where they were when you were in the office, which was well under 100,000 per year? Well, we could fix these problems just like we could fix the Ukraine problem in 24 hours. We're going to build a wall. It's going to take a long time to build it. But we're going to crack down on the southern border. We're not going to allow these people to just walk right in. What they're doing, a lot of bad hombres out there walking right in. These are terrible people, a lot of them. Not all of them, but a lot of them are terrible. And they're walking in, and they're causing a lot of problems. You're seeing in Chicago. You're seeing in New York. You're seeing in Philadelphia. You know, and Philly's got enough problems. You know, they have Eagles fans. They don't need any more crazy people to come in. Uh, but you see this, they do the tush push. You know what I'm talking about, the tush. And that's quite frankly, looks like something that might have happened in the Senate hearing room, but we're not going to talk about yeah. it. Uh, but you see this, you see what's happening on the border. I'll fix it. And I'll fix it in a very short amount of time. We're going to fix it very quickly. And we're going to do it better than anybody's ever fixed something before. It'll be fast. It'll be a 24-hour solution. We're going to put our military on the border, and people are not going to try and do it. And if they try to do it, they're going to be met with fierce resistance. That's what I can tell you. 
and we will secure our border. Without a border, we don't have a country, so we need to fix that. Believe me. Mr. President, um, sloppy Chris Christie has missed the cut at the CNN-Iowa debate for January, as did Vivek. It will only be DeSanctus and Birdbrain. Uh, your thoughts on this unsanctioned exhibition, as I know that you will be kind of doing some counter-programming in January coming up here for Iowa. Well, let's just set the record straight. They're doing counter-programming on me. I'm going to be the main draw, and yes. they're going to try and draw other people you have DeSanctus and his boots, the little guy, Dumpling. I call him Dumpling. And you have Birdbrain, who people thought was going to be my vice president, but it's never going to happen. They're going to be debating amongst each other. Nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to talk about it. They could put that on in the gyms. It's going to be on CNN. off. <laughs> They're going to turn it off. Vivek and Christie, at least you could say, are entertaining people. You know, Chris Christie's eating everything on the stage. Vivek is talking about have a nice meal and all of these different things. Uh, but they're not going to be there, which is a shame. So what the Sanctus and Birdbrain are going to do, they're going to be essentially screaming into a hole in the ground. These people, <laughs> nobody wants to hear about it. I'm going to be hosting the greatest and most highly respected town hall while we're talking about all of the things people want to hear. And you'll have the Sanctus, who is, as Vivek called him, Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, and Birdbrain, who's also Dick Cheney in three-inch heels, <laughs> talking to each other, beating around the bush with the questions, and getting nothing done. It's going to be one of the worst-rated programs in the history of the world, and that's why it's going to be on CNN. Nobody does bad ratings like CNN, <laughs> believe me. correct. Mr. President, final one for you. Um, I know you've talked about Madison Square Garden. Very interesting. You know, every time you step foot into MSG for a UFC fight, the place goes nuts. But how serious are you? I know you did an exclusive with Breitbart. Uh, how serious are you about a rally at the world's most famous arena? And do you really believe that you can win New York? Well, I believe I can win everywhere because, you know, DEI, dominate energy, intelligence. It's incredible. But uh, I think Madison Square Garden might be too small. I think we might need to go to Woodstock. I think it needs to be crazy. <laughs> I think good. we need Trump stock. I think it would be incredible. Madison Square Garden, MSG, too small. Uh, you know, Billy Joel, he's a third-rate guy. He's the one who does that. He does that at MSG because he barely sells it out. I would sell it out in 15 minutes, so there would be a line of people down the blocks of New York City uh, longer than anybody's ever seen before. But I think New York is in play. I think I could do it because I know I can do anything, and it was my state. New York used to love me, and maybe we could make New York great again. Donald J. Trump, we always appreciate the time. That, of course, is our buddy Sean Farash, who is joining us. Sean, great stuff th today. And, of course, uh, thank you so much for uh, popping in last week, man. A lot of great reviews uh, from everything I can gather. You absolutely crushed it, man. Well, thank you and the whole team at uh, 1210 WPHT. Uh, for giving me the opportunity, you know, I went to school for radio and that was a, that was literally like one of my dreams is to always do live radio at some point, especially in the morning. I grew up uh, back in New York listening to sports a lot like Boomer and Carton and yeah. uh, WFAN. And so I was like, you want to do six to ten on a on a on a major market, you know, in Philly. And I was like, of course, I'd love to insult Philadelphians once an hour. It'd be great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, and, and the YouTube community was great. There were a lot of folks who started to interact on Twitter while, while it was going on. So it was a lot of fun. 
um, you know, great team you guys have there. And uh, again, thank you for, for having me and giving me the opportunity to do that. It was a blast. Absolutely. I want to get your takeaways and reactions and impressions from the big story that dropped last night with the Epstein documents coming out. All the names from Clinton to Prince Andrew, Dershowitz, Michael Jackson, David Copperfield. Uh, were you satisfied with what you read last night? Or do you think that this is just mere breadcrumbs for what could fall when those flight logs are finally released, if they are? Yeah, I think we're dealing with the tip of the iceberg. Um, but man, what a sick, sick story. I mean, more needs to be paid attention. The problem with Epstein, and it's not a, it's not a problem from, uh, it's not a real problem. It's just that what he did was so outlandish that when we talk about it, what he actually did, what we know that he did, it sounds like conspiracy theories, right? Because how many times have you heard? You know, oh, Pizzagate, and someone says that's QAnon, and you know, and there are things up for debate as to whether or not some of those events happened. But like Epstein, it's right there with those quote unquote theories, right? And it's so bad that it's almost like it's not real, but it is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the the biggest problem with with what we had last night is, I believe we're just t- uh, scratching the tip of the iceberg. I think it's we're just scratching the surface. Mainstream media is not going to pay attention to it because a lot of their friends are implicated. Um, and it's it's disgusting. And I mean, look, I have, I've been saying this for a while. If Donald Trump was anywhere near those lists, it would have been out in 2015. He never would have been the president in 2016. Yep. Um, and I think it's very significant that House members are going to be briefed on none other than UFOs next week uh, because Epstein is in the news again. So uh, when in doubt, aliens are coming yep. and uh, it's it's the most reliable play. Got to throw out the distraction to divert attention elsewhere. Well said. Sean, great stuff as always, pal. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. And thank you so much as always. Thank you. There he is, our buddy Sean Farash. You can follow him on Twitter at S-H-A-W-N underscore Farash, F-A-R-A-S-H. Okay. All right, coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes at the bottom of the hour, we'll get to Dawn's Big Three. Uh, so Dorenzo's not in there. Jim, can we, uh, can we get to the morning mystery movie clip? Let's fire it away right here. And now, the morning mystery movie clip on Kalen Company, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Hey, I brought your muffin, boy. Here's a muffin for you. Nice muffin, Hooch. See the muffin, Hooch? See the muffin, Hooch? Here's the muffin for Hooch! I bought a muffin for you! The muffin, Hooch! Hooch and muffin! A muffin, Hooch! Muffin! all-time favorite movies caller 12-855-839-1210 if you can identify that movie about a man and a dog you will get a pair of tickets to see a live taping of major league wrestling this saturday january 6th at the 2300 arena in south philadelphia for more info or tickets visit mlw2300.com the winner part due of the cut sheet and joe biden's first ad of the 2024 campaign season. Next, as we continue on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is the Kale and Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Kale and Company, as we continue Thursday morning, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. 
Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube, youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. As Greg Stalker would say, hit the like and subscribe buttons. We're trying to get to 6,000 subscribers. That could take like a year. Where they go, like 5,200 ish. So we'll see if we can reach our next goal. 855 839 1210. We have what's on the cut sheet part due on the way, as well as what's on tap for the Dawn Show, who on Twitter and YouTube today. But right now, let's find out who won our morning mystery movie clip prize. We have uh, Heavy in Huntington Valley. Heavy, good morning. How are you? No, I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing well. What was the movie that we played for you a couple of minutes ago? You know, it's really funny. You're bringing up uh, Pizzagate, and you bring out a Tom Hanks movie and uh, Turner and Hooch. Yeah, about that, Turner you know, and Hooch. He, you, know, you, you, know, you know his name's been thrown out there involved with that. Oh, has he? Okay, I did not know that. But I, 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 can I just say something on the Jeffrey Epstein stuff real quick? Yes, of course. You know, there's a there's a lot of information out there that's being brushed off. They've known about this guy forever. Mm-hmm. They've had this information out there for a very long time, and this is this is just a you know this is just the tip, but barely the tip of the iceberg. Agreed. And there is so much stuff out there, and I'm talking extremely disturbing stuff. There's already emails out there that you can find. With John Podesta's name on it, talking about being entertained by little children in a pool, this this is real. You know, he Jeffrey Epstein was, and his whole operation was a was was run by Mossad and Israeli intelligence to get dirt on dirt on U.S. politicians, and now the FBI has has con- conducted searches of all these properties. And it's taken all the dirt, and now they're going to hold on to it forever to pretty much get whatever they want out of these people. Yeah, and I really, and, I really want to see what the the flight logs look like. So that, I mean, that to me is where I think you'll see the more damning evidence, so to speak. Um, yesterday, like I said this morning, I don't know if heavy if you were listening at six thirty this morning when we first started discussing the breaking news. I felt like I was relatively unsatisfied with what came out yesterday. You know, we were told, well, we're just waiting on Jane Doe 107, who says that they could be uh, at risk, a secure... I'm like, wait a minute, Jane, security risk? I, I, I worry about... I, I'm, I'm more concerned about the security of these, you know, these minors that were obviously manipulated and corrupted. But then we find out, okay, Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, Alan Dershowitz... Michael Jackson, David Copperfield, and the the context behind those names and the amount of times they were mentioned didn't really tell me something I really didn't already know. Like, we knew Clinton was involved. We knew Dershowitz was involved. Prince Andrew, okay, maybe a bit of a surprise. Shouldn't surprise anybody at all when you hear the name Michael Jackson. Uh, David Copperfield... That caught me off guard a little bit, but again, what is the context behind their involvements here with the 943 pages? That's, I think, ultimately what I want to hear, and I, I'm i still adamantly hoping that Marshall Blackburn and others will be able to get those flight logs released, because that's, to me, where you, know, you talk about just scratching the surface to the tip of the iceberg, 
I think the flight logs are, you know, where the Titanic is resting, if you if you know what I mean. So, well, you have to remember too that well, first of all, the P- Prince Andrew thing was because I'm obsessed with all this. So the the documentary Prince Andrew was profiled in was that mentioned, yeah, that he came out with a puppet of himself. It's like a whole sick thing. And remember the Queen during <clears throat> well, who was somebody's wedding? They're like, oh, Andrew, you can't stand mm-hmm. next to me because you're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so. So I think Andrew, we kind of knew, but the other ones, and and to the point of, you know, I think so many have said they knew about this, and the police officers, those detectives who worked initially for the case mm-hmm. years and years ago, were I think probably I would love to hear from them, and I haven't seen them being interviewed. I would love to hear from the cops who were in in Florida. Oh yeah, who were investigating this guy knew. Yep. That this guy was a creepazoid. They were sickened by right, it. Right. They believed the victims. You know, you talk about Me Too and the media. These police officers did everything right and delivered the goods, the evidence, and he basically got a slap on the wrist. I know. It's embarrassing. It really is. All right. Well, congratulations to Heavy. He wins uh, the wrestling tickets, and we will have, I believe, more of them tomorrow on a Friday show. 9.36, let's get to a Thursday edition of What's on the Cut Sheet, Part 2. What's on the Cut Sheet? I do. What's on the Cut Sheet, Part 2, on this Thursday, and we'll get right to it. Uh, brand new, Joe Biden, hot off the press, 2024 campaign ad ahead of his visit here on January 6th. Uh, here we go. Listen in. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. All of us are being asked right now, what will we do to maintain our democracy? History's watching. The world is watching. Most important, our children and grandchildren will hold us responsible. The Vice President and I have supported voting rights since day one of this administration. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. So obviously, the Biden administration is trying to pull at the heartstrings of clueless Democrats, liberals, progressives, maybe moderates on the fence. Um, his first ad of 2024 does not talk about anything accomplishment-wise because, well, he hasn't really achieved much of anything. His poll numbers are awful. He's lost 24% of the black vote. He is losing to Trump in the Hispanic vote. Young voters are revolting away from Joe Biden. So what's he going to do? Like we've been saying, he's got Kamala out on the abortion tour for 2024, and he's going to run on democracy and dictatorship under Donald Trump. But, I mean, think about the nerve that it takes to say in your first ad, we are trying to preserve democracy while simultaneously Democrats are trying to destroy democracy by removing Donald Trump from four ballots in four states in this country. That's what the Biden administration has. They are going with feelings, and you saw it right there if you were watching on YouTube, the visual images of J6, as we're just two days away from, I mean, that was from like the Charleston. national holiday. They showed like Charleston, of course, with that whole thing. And uh, that wasn't, yeah. Oh, with the tiki torches? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, t- I tuned out of the visual after three seconds. <laughs> I mean, if that's the best you got, I, I don't know. They got I, nothing. Yeah. They've got yeah. umgats, squat, <laughs> diddly poo. They can't run on jack squat. 
Yeah, get to the emotions, pull the heartstrings as much as they possibly, possibly can. Uh, but we'll we'll move on here. KJP then, uh, her the biggest Biden defender was pressed on uh, the full confidence of their DHS secretary and also the impeachment inquiry. This will be cut six. Go ahead. Um, the House committee is moving ahead with impeachment proceedings against Secretary Mayorkas. There's a hearing scheduled for next week, so I'd just like to get the White House response and also just to clarify. Does, this, does the president still have confidence in the secretary? Absolutely. The president has confidence in the secretary. I think, and, and I've, I've said this moments ago, I said it at the top as well. We believe that um, what they're doing, the House Republicans are doing uh, with this imp- impeachment inquiry is baseless. Uh, we believe that uh, it's a political stunt. And, and we believe there's, not, there's no time for that right now. There are things that the American people want us to get done. And that's what they should focus on. Uh, and, uh, and you know, it is, it is unfortunate that this is where the House Republicans, that's the road that they want to go down uh, with this impeachment proceeding. That is really unfortunate when the American people have been very clear. They want us to see it. They want us to work in a bipartisan way to get things done for them. And that's what the president wants. I love how she's panning through her binder to get to the border section where she has the little, like, highlighted tabs, uh, like, for border. And then the... <clears throat> Excuse me. The the question, whoever's asking that terrible question, bails her out with the does he still have confidence in so then she doesn't need to get to the section of the binder where she can go into spin mode because he tosses up a softball question right there. And to sit there and say that this is politics or that this is a charade, oh it's just like it's that's the same excuse they used when governors from red states were putting people on buses and dropping them off in big blue cities. It's not a charade. It's it's to show you exactly what is going on. And again, the numbers from December are just astounding. 302,000 in one month. I mean, that is... The the Eagle Stadium, Lincoln Financial Field, is 65,000 seats. Yep. That's like just under five stadiums full of Eagle fans in one month. One month. So, yes... Yes, impeachment is on the table because this guy, Alejandro Mayorkas, and this administration have been derelict in their duties and protecting Americans. This is a national secure. Forget humanitarian for a second. This is a national security issue. Well, and they act like it's improving. When, if anything, it yeah. just keeps getting worse and it's worse and worse. It's only improved because we're only four days into January, yeah. and it would be impossible to have 300,000 in three days. Yeah, exactly. And that is, I mean, we continually see it. There's videos and videos. And actually, Phil, bring up cut 13 here. This is, there's no audio for this, but this is uh, Senator Johnson showing a video of uh, illegal immigrants walking through the water toward the barbed wire fence, just walking, getting through whatever they need to, to get right to the border. And I mean, just showing some of the reality, like we saw with Mike Fitzpatrick earlier, and now with others visiting the border. I mean, this even includes, whether it's Vivek, RFK, all the presidential candidates, so I just I don't know how they're going to change their messaging around this throughout the entire year. Got tape. We got Do you clip? not see it? Oh, I thought it no, was I don't there. see anything. Uh, I thought you were playing audio. No, no, no. There was no I said it was video only. It was just a no, just a clip there. I don't, but I don't Senator Johnson, yeah, he was down at the border. But no. I'll move on to the KJP clip here. Because you know, we're you know, we're we're uh, showing pictures on radio. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> true. It's true. Oh, so now it's up. Now I see it. Okay, with the barbed wire and yeah, coming yeah, across yeah. the water. Yeah. Well, we were told it was a, a humanitarian crisis, and it's inhumane 
to put razor blades and barbed wire and things like that along the ground where these people... I mean, think about how desperate they are to get into America, that they're willing to crawl over razor blade with their babies and their children and cut themselves up to all hell. I mean, yeah. then you get into this country, and a lot of them aren't happy with what they're provided. Remember the stories that we had at the hotels in New York for three, four, five hundred dollar a night, and they're trashing the hotel rooms. The food's not good enough. Meanwhile, we have homeless veterans that are sleeping on the sidewalk that are being kicked out of homeless places so that we could shelter these individuals who aren't grateful or yep. some that do some that are grateful that do come here, and then they find that they, they can't find the work that they were looking for, and they go back to Venezuela. That's that's the real remarkable part. Shows you where we're at in this country right now. Well, and the animosity now with all the how people feel about it, finding jobs. I mean, I guess some of them are are easily finding them, but it, it's harder and harder. And I mean, that's something yeah. with our economy we're all worried about. Yeah, I'm seeing the video again now here on the on the on the screen. It's just, I can't even imagine, like you said, bringing a family over like that. No, but regardless, uh, KJP <laughs> was asked if Biden will visit the border. And uh, there's surprisingly not much of an update. This has got seven. Phil, go ahead. President still have plans to visit the disaster site in East Palestine, Ohio. So I don't have any anything, uh, any schedule uh, of the president at this time. But I will say this: the president continues to oversee, as you know, and we've said it multiple times from here. It, it was a robust, a recovery effort uh, to support the people of East uh, uh, Palestine, and we will visit when it is most helpful. The president will visit when. It's most helpful to the community. And so we're going to continue to stay on the ground as long as possible. Remember, because we have that robust operation while while ensuring that Norfolk uh, Southern is held accountable for the trauma they inflicted on this community. Uh, but in the meantime, this is another thing. I was just asked about Congress, the supplemental and the budget. This is another thing that we want Congress to act on. It is important that they do their part to enhance rail safety. That is something that Congress has to do, and they have to do it by by by, uh, by passing a bi bipartisan uh, Railway Safety Act. That is something that they need to get to. Uh, but the president's going to continue to be there for the community uh, as he has been uh, for the past uh, past. How long ago was that? Were you even, did we start the show when that? I think that might have been before no, East Palestine. Yeah, no, that yeah. was early in the winter last year. Oh, We're okay, coming up on okay. the one year anniversary. I believe that's February of last year. I could yeah. be off, but I think we're coming up on the one year of that, and he is still yet to go there. I just saw a video on social media a few days ago over the weekend. I think it was New Year's weekend, where they showed that the water in those streams and those little tributaries and those creeks, there's still that, like... Layer of oil, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, like that. It's almost like a fluorescent, mm -hmm. like, color. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, I'm like, dude, this... <laughs> I'm telling you, man. This guy's got... And by the way, he just came back from another vacation. Did you see the pictures of Biden with the sunburn? Yeah. Yeah, and he was uh, down at the Virgin Islands. What a time. Didn't he just have skin cancer a few years yeah. ago? Yeah. I mean, I know he's a plagiarist and he wants to be Trump, but he came back looking like Trump. <laughs> he's like, he's the Democratic <laughs> he's orange red. man. The orange man. <laughs> yeah, he's the, the red man. Yes. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for What's on the Cut Sheet Part 2. We'll come back, wrap it up with uh, What's on Tap for the Dawn Show today and who won Twitter and YouTube, and we'll do that on the other side of Kale & Company. It's Kale & Company On Demand from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Kale & Company putting a bow on a Thursday show. We'll see if Stalker's back tomorrow. See if his fever breaks for 24 hours. He had the little rebound. I bring it. <laughs> Poor Greg. <laughs> Poor guy. He's been here for like one day. 
the last three weeks you can't get right. Uh, best wishes, buddy. Hopefully, we'll get you in for a Friday edition of the Cut Sheet tomorrow. All right, uh, we'll find out who on Twitter and YouTube today coming up in just a couple of minutes, but let's find out what is on tap for the Dawn Show as we're just nine minutes out from that starting. Yeah, there's so much uh, breaking this morning, so we're, we're monitoring everything locally, of course, and regionally. Governor Phil Murphy, those migrant buses uh, stopping in New Jersey. But coming up after we do some of the updates, 10.05, we're going to talk to Adam Gillette, who's the president of Accuracy in Media. You want to hear from him as he is the one who rented the mobile billboard that was calling out some of these, uh, you know, prof- Ivy League presidents, such okay. as here locally and at Harvard. So we'll get his take now that uh, we're, well, we, we're, we're got two down, one to go. Okay. According to Elise Stefanik. So we'll talk, you know, get his take as was, far as. Was the, this the, the billboard trucks that were going around, those little box trucks correct. that you talked yeah. about? Yeah, here oh, at wow. Penn and then as well in cool. Harvard. That's a good So we'll get. see if MIT is next. Okay. Kind of get his take. And then, of course, our friend Guy Shiraki joining us once again. Well known Chester County guy. Good guy. Guy Shiraki. So he'll give us his latest article, his latest take on everything. All right. Sounds good. The Dawn Show coming up at the top of the hour. Anthony Dorenzo, as we wrap up a Thursday, we find out who won Twitter and YouTube today. Who won Twitter? Yeah, who won Twitter today? It'll, we're going to give it to Richard Nataro once again. He said, Nick Kale, because of your sore throat, it sounds like you need to end gi- dry January. It'll cure what ails you. <laughs> I, and no, I have not been drinking, so that does not describe why, uh, when it's not explained, <laughs> why my throat is killing me because there are there are some people that you can tell like if they drink and their like throat is always raspy yeah, yeah. like yeah that's that's not me but i think rich what rich is saying nataro is saying is that uh, sometimes they say what is it brandy and whiskey honey yeah, yeah the whiskey. hair of the dog brown yeah. liquor yeah. helps your throat they allegedly. say they say country music stars take a swig of uh whiskey before they perform Although I think that's kind of a myth. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when I had my, my voice issues seven, eight years ago and I had that surgery, I brought that up and the otolaryngologist was like, yeah, you do not want to put brown liquor <laughs> on your vocal cords right now. Trust me, sir. I'm an expert. I was like, okay. That's funny. Well, who on YouTube, ipso facto, uh, talking out what we all want. Last night I had a dream. The Eagles turned it around in the playoffs. Alas, it was only a dream. Yeah. I think you have a better chance of, uh, at this point, what would you say is more likely? Trump wins the election or the Eagles win the Super Bowl? I, at this point, I'm taking Trump to win the election. I don't know. It's anyone's year, though, in the NFL. That's the thing. And apparently the Ravens, who I like, as that's my Super Bowl favorite right now, supposedly Odell is renting out a yacht for them the same way he did with the Giants before he set that well, franchise that, that'll back. That'll kill that season yep, for the Ravens. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Good. Nice work. All right. That'll do it for us on a Thursday. We will see if Stalker makes his triumphant return tomorrow from the flu on a Friday edition of Kale & Company. The Dawn Show is up next. We're back tomorrow morning at 6. And as our favorite senator from Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, would say. Good night, everybody. Start your day with Kale and Company. Weekday mornings, 6 till 10. On Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.